Hello and welcome, dreamers. You're listening to the Dreamcast Years podcast. We're on episode three already, um, and we're on that all-important year of 1999. Uh, This was the year in which Sega's final console launched in the UK, US and EU, and eventually Australia. Poor Australia. Um, so it's a pivotal one for the Dreamcast years. Uh, as with every every episode of the OG podcast, we'll be taking a look at a bunch of the biggest games of the year, uh, discussing our memories of them, and also whether we thought they were great, okay, or a bit shit. Um, however, first of all, let me introduce you to the two people joining me this time. Uh, always first is a man who has been spending a lot of time lately getting his ring fit, and has just lost his soul to Fortnite, um, as have I, to be honest. Um, I, I've seen him in real life twice um, in the past month, and I'm still not fed up for him yet. It's my co-host and fellow Dreamcast fanatic, Richard. How are you? Hello, Andrew. I'm very well, thank you. Good. Good. Glad to see you again. Uh, it's been Good a little while. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get again. rid of me. <laughs> exactly. No, I can't. I've tried. Um, so, next up is our guest for this time, and it's someone uh, with who I share quite a lot of memories from the year 1999. Um, I'd moved towns the year before and joined a new school. Uh, that's where we happened to meet and became fast friends, bonding over our love of games, movies, and all things geeky. Um, it's still a, corner, a cornerstone of our friendship 20 years later, 20 years later, and <laughs> he's now part of the Dream Cassius family with his role in our Game of the Year podcast and our deep dives. Um, it's the man who enjoys a bit of sweary Immortal Vampire 2. It's Steve. How are you? Hello. Hi, I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so just for, for our listeners, we've done this before, haven't we? <laughs> I've, mm. I've given these exact <laughs> intros to you uh, previously. Um, apologies. Um, so yeah, we had a little bit of a, a, a technical snafu. Uh, we recorded this entire podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and um, let's just let's just say things went awry. Uh, but had we given you that podcast, it would have been two and a half hours, and <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably have fallen asleep through it. Um, so we're trying again. And hopefully this time um, we will get this one out to you. I'm sure we will. Um, so, shall we continue? Are we all are we all good to go? We're good to go. Oh, Andrew, have you remembered to press record this time? Oh God! Um, checking. <laughs> yes, yes, it's recording. Okay, good, good, good. 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 Um, just checking my <laughs> levels as well there because I look like I'm peaking quite a lot. Um, so, very close to the microphone. Technical, technical things for the listeners there that they obviously need to know. Um, <laughs> So, um, I like to do a bit of a flashback and a fast forward before we dive into the year at hand. Uh, So let's have a quick look back at the subject of the last OG podcast, 1998. so just a reminder of 1998, uh, this was the year that brought us Half-Life, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Resident Evil 2, um, F-Zero X, Spyro the Dragon, uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, Grim Fandango, I could go on, um, there was a lot. Um, I thought it might be worth us, first of all, touching on Ocarina of Time just a little bit, because I know it's a big game and we didn't actually mention it in Game of the Year whatsoever, and I don't think we mentioned it very much in the main podcast um why was that why did we not mention it mm-hmm. well 
it it was definitely brought up in the main uh, in the last uh, in, in in the main podcast mm. but uh you know these conversations are, are are about our personal experiences uh and i you know i recognize that game for what it is but um i didn't play it at the time mm. so i don't have any i don't have any nostalgia attached to it the same way many millions of others do sure yeah rich i'm guessing you're the same have you played yeah. this game <laughs> Did, yeah i'm on a yeah on a very personal level for me yeah it was my uh game of that christmas um the yeah. big the big game the one i wanted more than anything mm. and never actually played it that much in the end so <laughs> i own it again now but i'm at the same point i was last time when i had the original copy so mm. it's not yeah it's not a game that really draws me into playing it to completion but maybe one day i will mm. and um yeah for, for me it's I, I i think i've said this before but i never really owned an n64 so it wasn't one i got and i've had it since on the wii u and i don't know for me it's not aged well i think it's i think it's a very similar thing to you know if you've not played the game at the time that it came out then you probably don't have that same love for it that people who played mm-hmm. it at the time do so looking yeah. back at it from the outside kind of from the outside looking in yeah it's not great i prefer twilight princess to be honest um i, I like that game better in wind waker those were more of my era i suppose i actually got to play those ones um so there you go that's why we didn't really touch on it but i mean there's a lot there's a lot of good games that yeah i mean and steve mm. i know that you especially um wanted i mean you, you kind of made a big case for half-life on the game of the year uh, and we probably didn't yeah. touch on it as much as you would have liked in the main episode because you weren't on it um is there anything additional that you wanted to say about half-life is there anything we missed out or um well i mean i'll keep it brief because i could yeah. go on about half-life but I, I i guess if you if you play a game now where the narrative structure is that you watch the story unfold in front of you while you're playing uh, that's credited to Half-Life. Mm. Um, the the sort of long introductory uh, section of a game where you're watching life happen in front of you before shit invariably goes wrong, mm. that's credited to Half-Life. Um, you know, Half-Life felt incredibly grounded at the time despite its content, you know, aliens invading, etc. But it felt very revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I loved it. It was, yeah, it was great. There we go. Um Rich was, I mean, we've talked about this, um, 1998 already, but those there any from the list that we didn't talk about or any that you particularly want to mention again Ooh, from 1998? Was... I mean, there's a... what, was, what was the one game now? Oh, God, it's gone. Um, <laughs> it's actually slipped my mind completely. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Oh, God. Um, it's, only some, it's, only, it's only something to touch on this time, so don't worry. If you remember it later, bring it up just out of nowhere and just confuse us all. It'll be fine. Um... <laughs> That's fine. I'll shout loud. Sorry. Go for it. <laughs> Definitely do that. Um, okay, so next, let's take a brief look forward um, at another of the golden years of gaming um, and the first year of the new millennium, the year 2000. Um, although, people, would people say that 2001 is the first year of the new millennium? I don't understand that, that whole thing. I remember lots of very boring people having that debate over and over again mm-hmm. but i mean 2000 is where the numbers change in it and that's the most <laughs> exciting one so yeah. i'm happy to say 2000 is the start with the uh, the new millennium yeah i think luckily i've never heard people have that conversation i always assumed it was 2000 so i think i guess i'm lucky i think te- i think technically speaking it's 2001 but you know that's not as exciting as 2000 mm. uh, of course 
Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll go with that. It's the new millennium. Um, and that brought a lot of games. Um, and I'm going to list some. Um, and I could probably go on forever, but I'll just list the ones I've got. Um, Shenmue, Resident Evil Code Veronica, Legend of Zelda Major- Majora's Mask, uh, Vagrant Story, Parasite Eve 2, Hitman Codename 47, Diablo 2, Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi, Perfect Dark, uh, Perfect Dark, crazy oh my god i'm just i'm confusing all these names here it's just space channel five um a lot of games so many that i'm confusing the names of them all as i'm reading them from my phone um i mean looking at those uh, and i'm feeling a massive sense of deja vu because i've asked you this question before in the last episode steve um hitman codename 47 i know you're a big hitman Uh fan um oh well allow me uh, yeah yeah allow me to tell you how i feel about that for the first time (laughs) okay go for Um, it Hitman Codename 47 was rubbish, uh, but it had a lot of features in it that would come to define what Hitman games were. Mm. Um, it was a super cool premise that hadn't really been done before, where not every mission, but a lot of the missions were you just need to take out this one guy, and it didn't really hold your hand or tell you how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave you relatively open-ended ways of doing that, and obviously that then went on to make uh to to start one of my favorite game series uh of all time uh, but the first one though is pretty pretty bad it's a pretty bad game <laughs> did they am i right in thinking was that one that they remade in contracts or was it just i can't remember how that worked yeah uh so contracts was like they didn't remake contracts but they sort of revisited old levels from the first game because there were some really really good levels mm. like one of the most famous ones is set in a hotel mm-hmm. uh it's called traditions of the trade i think is the name of the mission um but it, it sort of it, it was trapped in a bad game uh so they sort of remade it in contracts which was uh, a much better game it's actually a concept that i hope they go back to at some point with the new games because there were some cracking ideas for levels and for hits and stuff that are still trapped in some you know very dated games but mm. but, but yes yes to answer your question contracts was like a revisiting of old levels okay cool um and yeah um for, for for those listening steve is is like a super fan of the most recent hitman games uh the franchise mm-hmm. overall of course but the most recent ones can you can you remember how many hours you've put into well hitman so i did i did say how many hours last time mm-hmm. but uh i'm just gonna say i'm just gonna say hundreds and hundreds of hours in both hitman one and hitman two a lot it's of kind of ridiculous i'm not sure how i managed it but uh yeah yeah, you did. You did manage it. And um, you definitely, when you came over to my place last and uh, played one of the levels from Hitman 2, the way that you tackled it, I was like, how the fuck did you know how to do that? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you basically went from beginning to end. I mean, you, was, you got seen a couple of times, but you knew how to deal with it. And uh, where mm. I, I'd be like running around in blind panic, trying to figure out what to do. So yeah, you're, you're a pro. You're a pro. So those games are really cool for the, um, the opportunities that you get and the disguise system mm. and, and the little bits of story that are woven throughout the level but completing those levels for me silent assassin rating without using any disguises is some of the most satisfying gameplay i've ever Mm. experienced it's they're great they're amazing games fantastic um rich 2000 massive year for dreamcast um mm-hmm. i mean shenmue jet set radio and then i'm just looking here i mean i mean this is the only n64 game i put down because i think n64 was kind of on its last legs by this point but there was perfect dark as well is that is that one that you played or i uh, jumped off before perfect dark i was a golden eye <laughs> guy through and through okay. i remember perfect dark very well because it was obviously around the time of the uh expansion pack coming out it's one that i know it's one of the bigger games to use it and i was a bit pissed off because 
I never really got to see it realised what mm. it looked like. The extra, was it four megs of RAM? I think I remember. Wow. So I, I'd already jumped back. I think I went back on to the PlayStation at that point. So I never <laughs> actually gave some time to Perfect Dark, sadly. But wow. yeah. But- but it was also like, like I said, it was a huge year for Dreamcast games, and you definitely had a Dreamcast in the year mm, two thousand. I um, think I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you did. Um, I did. Yeah. Um, I mean, are there are any of those? I mean, I know, I know how much you love Shenmue. You've kind of mm. um, waxed lyrical about it before, yeah. and you know, kind of made us all feel very nostalgic for it. Even Steve, mm-hmm. who who isn't a fan of the of the games overall. Boo. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but do any of the other of the, you know like Jet Set Radio Crazy Taxi Space Channel 5 you know big games do they hold special memories for you as well yeah, I mean other than Shemu yeah Crazy Taxi definitely um, mm. just I think especially from a home gaming standpoint that was unlike any game I'd ever got to experience in the home it was mm. like everything I'd ever played at the arcade and to have that kind of just frantic rush gameplay the soundtrack just the over the top nature that i at the time i thought only really sega did um mm. it was just yeah a game is just still a revelation and even though it's only got only got like two or three songs on the soundtrack i still think it's one of the best gaming soundtracks most iconic soundtracks of all time yeah um i mean i love a game so much i even wrote a uh, retrospective for the book so you did which will but... be coming up it mm. will, yeah. So, yeah, for Dreamcast Year One, you did indeed write a retrospective. Um, just for the listeners who are backers of the book, um, and my last my last update was that it should be coming out in January. I think the consent basically was uh, it'll probably be finished in December, but Christmas, you know, postal wise, not great. Um, and the consensus from everybody who's really lovely about it was uh, probably wait till January um, and, and wait till the, the, the possibility of books being lost in the post has kind of passed. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'll do. And it also means I've got a little bit of extra time to hopefully get it just right. But yes, Rich has written um, a Crazy Taxi retrospective, which is awesome. And what's the other retrospective you did as well? I did a Toy Commander as well. Which, that's right. Yeah, which yeah. does qualify for this year. So that's good. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, it does. So it did come out in 1999. So there you go. Um, right. So moving on, then let me uh, get my notes back up again. Let's have a look. Um, so now that we've done that, uh, let's take a deeper look into what was going on in the world, but mostly the UK, um, back in 1999, the year that we've all come for. Um, so it was the year that Prince had been keen on for some time. Uh, we all got to party like it was 1999, because it was. Um, of course, we were also all terrified that computers would kill us all uh, when talk of the Y2K bug started. Uh, many thought that systems would tick back to 1900 and cause nuclear failsafes to, well, fail. Um, we now know that that was a load of bollocks and we're totally fine. Well, we're still here anyway. Um Harold, <laughs> maybe it wasn't that fine. Um, Harold Shipman <laughs> went on trial for the murders of fifteen people, mm. making him one of the UK's most <laughs> prolific and sickening serial killers. Ah, nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I remember don't that. Don't that anymore. <laughs> um, Terry Pratchett published Disc- uh, the Discworld novel, The Fifth Elephant, um, in this year, and uh, J.K. Rowling released the third Harry Potter book, which was The Prisoner of Azkaban. Both great books. I say both great books. I've only read one of them. I know Steve's read the other one. Uh, Rich, have you read both? Um, I've not read Discworld. No, I've read no Harry Potter. I think the only um, Terry Pratchett I've ever read was um, Truckers. Is it Truckers? Okay. Truckers? Ah, I'm not familiar with that one. 
I, I might have just made that up completely. <laughs> <laughs> it was like little tiny people. Um, I might be wrong, but I'll go look later. <laughs> um, next up, now in the in the in the last episode, I tried my best impression of this, but I'm figuring that I might find an actual clip of this being said and put this over the top here. But if not, then um, I'll try an impression again. Just and I'll, I'll paste over it. Carl. I'm terrible at impressions. I'm terrible at impressions. Um, pardon me. Um, Chandler Riggs, uh, Carl of The Walking Dead fame, was born on June the 27th of 1999, and Wikipedia lists his occupation as actor and DJ. So now you know. Um, <laughs> Britney Spears had the biggest selling single of the year with uh, Baby One More Time here in the UK, uh, which I was obsessed with um, at the time. Um, yeah. Um, I think. I actually think the top 10 singles of this year say a lot about, not only this year, but I think it says a lot about the 90s. Um, So I'm going to read them all out and uh, we'll all react to how 90s this top 10 list of singles from 1999 were. So obviously number one, Baby One More Time. Number two, a double A side from Steps, Heartbeat and Tragedy. Um, Anybody who hears Steps and Tragedy automatically puts their hands to their head in that move uh, that they did it's just it just has to happen um number three was ricky martin living la vida loca um number wow f- yeah number four <laughs> eiffel 65 blue dabba d oh that's never good that one never good <laughs> um i don't I, I i challenge you to find a more iconic 90s song than the next one number five lou bega mambo number five Ah yes, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, of course, uh, Bob the Builder famously covered that. Um, next... <laughs> oh God, he did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> number six, Shania Twain. That don't impress me much. Um, no, uh, number seven, ATB. Nine PM till I come. Very rude. Um, eight. Uh, number eight. Um, I think this is actually. I'm, I'm going to scratch what I said earlier about Lou Bega. Um, this one, DJ Jurgen presents Alice DJ, Better Off Alone. This is 90s to me. Yep, best that is Yeah, such a 90s yeah. song. Listen to the uh, remix with Ellen Biscuit and Star Fox 64 as well. It's classic. There you go. You heard it here first. Well, probably not, maybe, <laughs> but you've heard it. So go listen to it. We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> remind me to do that. Um, <laughs> number nine, Cliff Richard with The Millennium Prayer. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. Didn't that have a really bizarre video? I, I don't. Didn't he do? He like mimed a crucifixion or something. Or something. Yeah. I remember it being quite controversial. The video itself, I mean, yeah. Oh. Was, hmm. Well, Cliff Richard and controversy. Who'd have thought? Um, <laughs> <laughs> number ten on the list is Christina Aguilera, "Genie in a Bottle," um, which is yeah another one of those songs. Um, so moving on from that, uh, British TV had some big hits this year. Uh, we had Holby City, uh, the spin-off of long-running show Casualty. That began in 1999, um, as did gritty prison drama Bad Girls, um, and also um, LGBT uh, TV show Queer as Folk, um, which I remember quite vividly. Um, so those were UK ones. Um, the US um, TV shows that began this year were much bigger, though. Um, animated comedy Family Guy debuted in 1999. That's that's unbelievable. I can't believe that was that yeah. long ago. Yeah, that's a, a long time ago. It's yeah, I can't believe it's been that long either. Um, I remember when it got cancelled and everybody got outraged. Yeah, and, and then it yeah, came back. Right. Um, it was like the first yeah. two seasons, it, wasn't it? And then it just pulled. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That was crazy. And then and then if you watch it now, it turns out that was the right decision. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible <laughs> now. Simpson syndrome, as we call it. Mm. Uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
So um, also debuting this year were Farscape, Roswell and Angel, which are the big kind of sci-fi fantasy shows. Um, Love Angel. Um, And one for Rich, um, WWF Smackdown debuted in 1999. Ah, the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. It's unwatchable now. Yeah. I've I've seen seen your rants on Twitter, Rich, about uh, WWE. (laughs) I've been blocked by a few people. It's fine. Why did why did SmackDown come about? I I mean I I've used to watch wrestling a long time ago, but I never understood why there were two different like are they two different like sets of wrestlers? Is that two different contracts? In or? later years, they've kind of done brand splits and drafts, so there's exclusive wrestlers on each show. Back okay. then, it was just a case of more content, and they literally decided to commission a show and basically built it around the rock because it was the rock it was the rock's catchphrase uh, yeah okay. smack down yeah. and yes so that was literally it well just... wasn't raw already like four hours long <laughs> um it was actually only a very modest two at the time and now it's three every week Ooh, and it's wow. un- I, unwatchable from beginning to end. i look at i look at wrestling and i just think that is an unconsumable amount of content it's yeah. ridiculous <laughs> yeah. just watch japanese wrestling it's the only good wrestling so i hear so i hear it's the best Brilliant, um, and I, I don't. I just to, I, I don't like wrestling at all. But my brother used to be <laughs> really into it. I mean, I think Steve, when you came around to our house, I think we just had wrestling figures everywhere in 1999. Uh-huh, as far right. as I remember, yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, um, and I think wasn't there like a song? Didn't didn't they release a song around that, like a rap yep. or something? There my brother was had indeed. that on cassette. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it was called Wrestle. It was a was it? Um, it was just a WWF superstars WrestleMania. Was that, whoa, uh, whoa. Oh, oh god! Yeah. WrestleMania. That one. <laughs> that was a classic. That was the first ever song I'd ever purchased. Or my parents bought it for me on cassette tape. Wow! So that was my first ever record, shall we say? There we go. Wow. That is uh, <laughs> Rich's music taste in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I've, my, I've... Mine was mine was the Lion King soundtrack. I'm not sure who's got the worst one. Oh, shall I, shall I say what my first uh, thing that I got? Go the on. first thing I got bought for me was "Enjoy It" by Kylie Minogue. Uh, that sounds exactly correct. That's I'm not <laughs> surprised by that in the slightest. I, I think that was about seven or eight. So I don't know if my mum just preempted the gay or if like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, but there we go. Um, I'm not sure what we can say is the worst out of that. Well, let, let's let the listeners decide. Tell sure, us which sure. which is the worst one. Um, so just before we move on to games, I'll just talk about movies for a second. Um, so in movies, uh, Pixar released their second film, A Bug's Life. Um, and we were also introduced to The Matrix, The Mummy and The Blair Witch Project. Um, the latter of which I could gush about forever. Um, but I won't for time's sake. I do love The Blair Witch Project. Um, and we probably shouldn't say anything about The Phantom Menace. Um, I'm not going to. Does anybody else want to? Um Trade and at the start. That was my biggest memory of that film. Mm. Was that so. the was that the advert with the barber in it? It was indeed, and that's how <laughs> ah, my Twitter handle go. was born. Yeah, there we go. go. Uh, yeah, um, and trade embargoes, as you said, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love those trade embargoes. Mm. Oh, it's amazing. I couldn't believe it when that film started off with the trade embargo. I was like, yes, let's do this. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, right, let's move on. Um, I think that's plenty of facts. Uh, so let's start talking about the games. And um, just to note again, uh, we'll be rating each game as either a game changer, uh, a game, uh, or crap. So um, let's get started. So the first game for 1999 that I've got listed down here, uh, and don't worry if um, if the games that you um, 
that you want to talk about are not listed here. We'll have a chat about them at the end. Um, but the first one we've got is Final Fantasy VIII, uh, which was released on the PS1 uh, on the 27th of October, 1999. Um, I will come to Steve first. Um, what are your memories of Final Fantasy VIII? Uh, my memories, I really enjoyed it at the time. It was very exciting. Obviously, mm. we'd all played Final Fantasy VII by that point, and mm-hmm. that took a lot of people by surprise, including myself. I'd not played a game like that before. So it was, yeah, it was jolly exciting to get your hands on on the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, not only just because it was the next one, but also the art style was vastly different. And I remember we poured over the screenshots in magazines, uh, particularly the ones of the CGI pre-rendered cutscenes and, yeah, jaws mm-hmm. on the floor type stuff. And when you finally got your hands on it, it was very exciting. Um, I... Played it to completion. I liked it a little bit less by the time I'd finished it. And then in in hindsight, for me, uh, Final Fantasy VIII has a lot of issues. And chief among them, for me at least, is that it was the start of the Final Fantasy series aesthetic changing to moody teen pretty boys. And it's something for which I will I will never I will never forgive that game. Wow. I mean they 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 briefly went back with Final Fantasy IX to mm-hmm. the to the you know to the more uh interesting art style but but yeah final the way that final fantasy 8 looks i just look at it and i just think i i I hate this whole like moody teenager style um Mm. normal human proportion style art style i Mm. i i miss i miss the older final fantasy aesthetic so you weren't a fan of 15 when that came out then no I played 15 and I liked a lot about it, but it just didn't, it just didn't keep my interests. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and well, as you say, Final Fantasy IX kind of went back a little bit to the fantasy element of it and the kind of unrealistic proportions and the, the weird and wonderful characters, which is great. And I was thinking what, as you're talking about it there, the online games, Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy fourteen, they kind mm-hmm. of have a little, they're kind of realistic proportioned people, but with a fantasy edge yeah so i guess so, that's where the, that seems to have gone almost the online games yeah yeah because the online games are they've got a lot of fan service in them so yeah. they they you know have a lot of stuff from older final fantasy games yeah whereas when it comes to the mainline ones they kind of you know they kind of play it straight with one aesthetic but the i suppose the online structure lets you, you know, be a bit more silly and a bit more creative yeah I mean, they're all based in like one world still, but they, it's, it's definitely more fantasy rather than yeah. sci-fi. There's no real sci-fi elements to the online ones. But yeah, no, I do get where you're coming from with Final Fantasy VIII. I mean, Final Fantasy VIII was, was an awesome game. For me, it was awesome because I think it was... I think I preferred it over seven. I, I did. I preferred it over seven, which would be controversial to some. Um, but I, I enjoyed the art style, but I do get that it then kind of influenced the rest of the art. And mm-hmm. it's a shame because Final Fantasy VIII in itself... The art style isn't terrible. It, it works for it. it. It's just a shame that then it got adopted going forward. Yeah, um, yeah. I kind of do get that. Um, Rich, is this is this one that you have played? Uh, I've got so much to say about now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <I was> <laughs> Especially with JRPGs, I can't. Oh, I've got so much to say. Um, <laughs> no, I've never played Final Fantasy VIII. I won't lie. That's the truth. I have a mm. quick question about Final Fantasy XV, though. I know, I'm mm. still going to go on a bit of a segue. That's fine. Go is on. it safe to say that game is like the entourage of JRPGs? It's just a bunch of dude bros in a car on a yes. journey. Awesome. Yeah. That's good. That's that's <laughs> a very succinct description of that game. Good. All right. Just want to make sure. Cool. 
but anyway, yeah, no, back to eight. Um, no, I've never played it. The only game I ever played was seven, and that mm. was briefly. So it holds no interest to me, I'm afraid. Wow. Okay. So not even tempted to get them now they're on the Switch, no? Nah, nah. No, no. With the um, actually with the whole um, eight being the game that was kind of lost because I know they didn't have the original like source code. Was that just mm. kind of a bit of a stunt, or did they actually find it somewhere? Because they said it wasn't coming out, and then suddenly it's hitting the eShop, and they've got a remastered version. So I don't um, know where they. If they found it down the back of the sofa or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they did that, but I know I've, I've heard talk recently. I can't remember which company it was, but there is there is a I don't think it was the one that remastered eight, but there's a company who does remasters and they generally like to take the game as it is on the disc, like the final game and then work backwards from it. And I can't, okay. remember, I can't somebody's going to have to tell me this at some point, but I can't remember which one it is. But I have a feeling that Final Fantasy VIII was similar to that because as far as I remember, they had they had lost the source code. Um, okay. So they couldn't work from it. Um, but I mean, to be fair, it's uh, that all they seem to have done, from what I can see, is created new 3D models for the characters and then they've just taken the same CG backgrounds because mm. the CG backgrounds are muddy as fuck. In the, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're really bad and to the extent where in, in the original version um, if a character didn't move in a scene like if they were completely static they would just draw them into the pre-rendered background um, and because obviously now that they've kind of d- done new renders of the 3D characters when they're stood in, stood in the scene the static character who is drawn into the 3D background the pre-rendered background is still pre-rendered and therefore mm-hmm. it's like it, it's really really obvious um, that yeah. they've kept the previous stuff so Back in the day, it would look like there were lots of pe- people on screen. But mm. when you play it now in on the remaster, it's like, oh, they're all fake and they're all yeah. incredibly wow. blurry and low resolution. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that game had some like, I mean, talking of the pre-rendered stuff, that that game did a lot of cool stuff with pre-rendered backgrounds. Like that, it scene, really did. Yeah, when you're in Barlam Garden at the beginning and the camera kind of swoops around to show you the whole garden uh, from gameplay, so you're kind of walking along playing the game and all of a sudden the camera just swoops around and shows a load of stuff i thought that was pretty pretty epic yeah yeah and and uh like quite often in that game the background would move around whilst you were still controlling the character Mm. Mm. some of those scenes were incredibly impressive i I don't remember the details exactly but there was like a parade scene where you're running across a parade Mm. and there's like thousands in the crowd but you're controlling the character it was mind-blowing at the time Mm. Absolutely. Um, I, I think something that we, we discussed at length in the last episode, which we'll probably just touch on slightly here, was the storyline. And um, I know, Steve, you had mentioned that um, the storyline itself maybe didn't, and you touched on it just before, by the end, you kind of had lost a little yeah. bit of interest in it. So. Yeah, it was, gar- it was garbage. It was, it right. was nonsense. It was... Uh, so uh, the first third, well, the first half of the game, the characters are somewhat likable but they don't have any depth they don't Mm. feel like they have a past they just feel like they're interacting with each other in the moment and it felt very out of place and later on it transport i mean i know they've just released the remaster um but this is this is an old game so i'm just gonna go ahead and spoil it i'm very sorry (laughs) uh it later transpires that there's a reason for that which is it it turns out that they were all so they all went to the same orphanage in their childhood Mm -hmm. Uh, and they were forced to have amnesia because the big bad enemy of the game's weakness is the bonds of friendship. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know. Do. Hey, nonsense. 
absolute and and there was one character who wasn't forced to have amnesia who knew that they all went to the same orphanage because he went there too and when they asked him why didn't you say anything he just went i don't know i just didn't you just didn't never came up (laughs) total garbage (laughs) yeah um, and also, also the love story between uh, what's her name, Renoa? Is her name Renoa? Renoa, yeah. Renoa and Squall is yeah. is terrible because Squall is is a is a is an asshole. He's an yeah. aloof moron. He, he and is. I, I, the fact that she saw anything in him when he spoke mostly with three dots is just it's very difficult to believe. True. I, I think um, the issue there is that, yeah, in English, I completely agree with you. But from what I hear, the, the original Japanese, um, originally he was meant to be the cool kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not, I, I don't give, I don't give a crap, or, you know. Blah, blah, blah. So he was going to be meant, meant to be like the cool character who kind of just brushed everything off, was a bit nonchalant. But when they translated into English, it just came across as him being a bit of a. <laughs> um, I might bleep that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> It's the first time I've Goodness said it in a me. podcast. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a twat. Um, that's probably better. Um, yeah, so it came across him being a bit of a twat. And um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. It kind of became untenable that their relationship would actually happen. Yeah. Because she's quite yeah. nice. And like, what, what does mm-hmm. he see in him? Women love bastards, don't they? That's what they say, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, but in order to be a bastard, you have to say something or have opinions. <laughs> you, have neg, you have to neg them, like exactly that's what yeah, the kids yeah. say. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, thinking back to it and from what you've said, I kind of I, I agree. But there were parts, like parts of the story overall were great. Like I loved, um, I can't remember the name of the guy. Was it Laguna? Um, the the counterpart from the past. Um, so there was the, oh, yeah. the whole yeah. counterpoint of you playing a squall in the present and then you go back or you, you don't know at first, but it turns out that you're playing as a character from the past um, in a second, in another section. So you kind of go back and forth between them. And those sections I always really enjoyed. And it was, I thought that was a really nice counterpoint to what was happening with the main story. I'm yeah. Sure. And they, they really held off on explaining exactly what was going on there. So the whole mm. time you were playing it, it did have a very like mysterious feel. Like you weren't even 100% sure that it was in the past, I don't think. And it no. was all very... Yeah, it was all very, uh, very mysterious. It was well. There were parts of that game that were well done for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the bit that always gets me, and I'm never sure what happened. I can't even remember how it happened, but where they went to space, like oh yeah, that was... oh yeah, and, and uh, Squall has to catch Renoa. Yeah, she's that's floating right. towards you. Yeah, which yeah. was like a huge, like it was like a big, like well-made CGI scene, and people mm-hmm. was like flipped out over it because it was really really well done but but what the fuck was it like why were they in space and you were in space for all of about five minutes it was it That's wasn't right. even like a yeah. big long thing yeah. um so yeah anyway there you go um what what do we think about this game then rich rich what would you say game yeah I, I can't <laughs> can't make more of a case for it really i'm not gonna shit on it but again i never played it <laughs> series and the entire genre means nothing to me but I won't yeah. hold it against it. So it exists. It's a game. So, Ooh. yeah. Dan from the Switch Island is not going to be happy with you when he hears this. Uh, well. um, <laughs> you might get chucked off the island. Um, <laughs> uh, Steve, what about yourself? Um, uh, it's it's a game. It's a game. I, the fact that I'm still tempted to buy it on the Switch and play through it again anyway mm. is probably speaks to some quality that... I appreciate about it. So I will I will say game. Fair enough. Um yeah, I'm, I'd be tempted to call it a game changer just because of my own personal like the fact that that's that's probably the game that got me into JRPGs properly in the first place, but 
thinking about it logically in terms of the wider world, it wasn't really a game changer. Final Fantasy VII probably was the game changer there because um, that brought mm-hmm. RPGs to the West, to the Western audience on a big scale. Final Fantasy VIII really didn't do a huge amount in general. So I'm going to say game as well. I think that's a game. Um, okay. So I'm going to move on to the next one. Um, now, I completely um, threw Steve for a loop in the lost episode, which I continually reference in this one that you will never hear, um, <laughs> by by mentioning this one. Um, now, originally, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis was meant to be in here. However, before recording, I found out that that didn't release until the year 2000 in, uh, in the EU. Um, so I added this one in, and Steve had prepared notes for the other one. And I'm sorry, Steve, but you've had time to prepare now. So the next it's game true, on the I list, have. you have yeah. the next game on the list is Dino Crisis, mm. uh, which released also in October, the 29th of October, uh, 1999. Um, Rich, I'm going to come to you first. I'm going to try not to say it. I'm going <laughs> to just try rip, rip the plaster off. Just rip the plaster off. <laughs> have oh. you played this game? No. <laughs> I love dinosaurs and I love shooters and I, nah, I remember Can screenshots I just... in the magazine. Can um, I just clarify is... something, Rich? You've said in the past that you love zombies and you haven't played Resident Evil either? I just, I never got all the controls. I love the atmosphere of those games. I remember playing the first Resi and thinking it was a real, like, whoa, this is not unlike any game I've ever played before, but I'm steering my character like a freaking tank. And yeah, just, I couldn't okay, go on with it. I just, it yeah. put me off. Yeah. It just put me off. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I have fond memories of Resi, but yeah. I'd rather play Dead Rising or Left 4 Dead over Resident Evil. Fair enough. You've not even... I mean, we're talking about Dino Crisis, but because we're, yeah. kind of, we're, we're kind of on this now, have you not played any of the most recent Resident Evil games that have better controls? Um, four. Yeah, I had that on the Wii. Loved it. Okay. I actually bought that. and Well, four. Wow. Yeah, bought five as well. But yeah, I didn't like that anywhere near as much. Um, I think Resident Evil 4 on the Wii is secretly the best version of that game, I think. Four is just beautiful and it just... Mm. Control-wise, the simplicity of it is just mm. just really finely tuned game. Like the mm. motion controls, it's it a game that was what it's for the GameCube, but it felt like it was made for the Wii. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, but anyway, Dino Crisis. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> that's my fault. That, that's fine. I never um, played it. So I got <laughs> never played it. But you love dinosaurs, and you okay. kind of like scary, kind of like scary games. I know you've played Alien Isolation. Yeah, I think maybe that's the other reason it put me off as well. I said I love scares as a kid. I mean, I grew up watching all kinds of horror movies, but mm. with games, that immersion, it always kind of freaked me out a little bit. It put me off. It still does today. So maybe that was something to do with it. I don't look at, I don't look at dinosaurs the same way as I do zombies, but I knew it was from, you know, um, mm. the Resident Evil people. So yeah. I just yeah. was like, mm, it's going to be more of the same. Uh, mm-hmm. No, thanks. I'll uh, play Crash Bandicoot instead. That's that's fair. I guess that's fair. Um, Steve, what about you? Have you got uh, any fond memories of this particular game? Uh, I definitely have fond memories of this game. I, I didn't play it either. Um, at the time, I was also uh, too scared to play scary games. That's not <laughs> the case now. I love scary games now, but at the time, uh, no. Uh, but I did watch you play it a lot. Um, you did. And it was great. Um You've got more to say about this than I do, but um, you didn't like it at first. But then as you got more into it, uh, you started really enjoying it. And I, I think it was because it was different, more different from Resident Evil than you perhaps expected when, when you first got it. And I think it did feel refreshing and different enough. Because when mm. you think about it, Resident Evil with dinosaurs might not have been that great. And I, I'm glad mm. that they did something else yeah. with, uh, with Dino Crisis. And I remember 
my specific memories of that game are of tension. There aren't mm-hmm. actually that many dinosaur fights in it. You spend no. most of your time running around an old facility without any dinosaurs in it, but mm-hmm. you know they're coming. You know that they're somewhere. They're trying to find you, and that yeah. tension was really well done. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I think what you said there, when um, it was, it, it was kind of marketed as Resident Evil dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you saw all over the magazines. It was like, oh wow, it's the, you know, people from Resident Evil, and it's another survival horror game, but it has dinosaurs. And uh, like you said, that that sold me on it straight away. I was like, wow, I have to have this game. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I I bought the game. Um, you know, I, I think. I, what was it 1999 i think i had a part-time job at that point so i'd saved up money or used money from my job gone and bought it got it home and within about an hour and a half of playing it um it wasn't anything like i expected it was going to be and i was really upset (laughs) like really upset because i'd spent my hard-earned money on it and it wasn't it wasn't the game i was expecting it to be so i kind of went down to my mum and i was like i think i'm gonna have to take this back because i don't like it And, and it was like like five or six o'clock in the evening at this point so it was like well obviously i can't take it back now the shop's closed um and uh, you know i was i was genuinely like upset i was like why why do i not like this game you know it's so i thought well fuck it i've got like until tomorrow so i'll give it another try so i kind of went back up and tried it again and then ended up like plowing another three or four hours into it and it was then when i had kind of dropped my expectations of what the game what I thought the game was going to be and kind of looked at it as what it, what it actually was thinking I was just going to take it back in the morning. didn't have any investment Mm. in it. I was like, Oh fuck it. I'll just try anyway. And I really enjoyed it for what it actually was, which as you say, was like a really tense game that was kind of, I don't know. I mean, it was survival horror, but it was less about bumping into zombies around every corner and more, um, you know, how do I get from this room to this room without the, you know, without dinosaurs, finding me if there are any um you know if dinosaurs are there i have to run away um because you you know you couldn't always fight them you couldn't always just take them out um and like the t-rex was a big deal because it was it was a fucking massive thing and it would only show up at like certain intervals um like the conference room i think that's the first time you saw it you're like in a conference room and his head kind of burst through the window and that's all you see of it is this massive head kind of like trying to eat you um so yeah, it was it was more about tension, and there was more of a, I guess more of a puzzle element to it because yeah, you were, you know you're trying to find the right keys for doors as you were would in Resident Evil, but like I said, you're also trying to figure out how to get from A to B. You could use the the the, the, the air you know, the, the the ducts to get around. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think if they'd have advertised it more differently at the time, I wonder if it would have done better. I mean, it did fairly well, I guess. It yeah, got yeah. A se- it got uh, a sequel. It got two sequels. And I mean, in fact it did fairly well because they got the resident evil fans to buy it i guess yeah. which is why it was marketed that way mm. but um uh, it's just another memory that i have about that game talking about finding keys for doors um it was very it was a lot more grounded than resident evil was in that mm. sense because it wasn't like you didn't open a door by finding finding a jewel inside the stomach of a dog and then putting a jewel in the eye socket of a statue <laughs> like it was all it was all like office space pretty much i think Mm. it was like the administrative part of a research facility mainly so it was all brutalist architecture as you said conference rooms offices hallways Mm -hmm. uh but then occasionally you'd come across an eviscerated corpse um and so that kind of dull setting uh mixed with dinosaurs was really cool at the time and obviously Mm. seeing a dead body in the corner you know dinosaurs can get in there 
they yeah. can get in the room you're in and mm. uh, that did a really good job of, of increasing the tension yeah definitely and the, i think um one thing to note about it as well that we haven't said yet it was it was a fully 3d game so previously mm. resident evil games had been pre-rendered backgrounds with 3d character models and this was the first time that capcom in the survival horror survival horror genre had done a full 3d uh, survival horror game and it wasn't then until code veronica that they did it again but you know it was that was quite great at the time like i think um the way they use the camera and stuff with that because you know pre-rendered backgrounds you have to have set cameras uh, unless mm-hmm. you're final fantasy 8 as we've just said um but the, you know the, the camera could follow you it could kind of be facing you so you don't know what's in front of you and and change and shift um and yeah there was something about it being 3d which was uh it gave it an edge that resident evil didn't have there was mm. more they could do with it i think in that regard so impressive they did that on the playstation too i mean i haven't seen the mm. game in a long time maybe it looks like shit i don't know but i don't <laughs> remember it being compromised for having fully 3d no. backgrounds i remember it looking nice although it perhaps explains the paucity of actual dinosaurs maybe they were making the savings there i don't know <laughs> true um, it, and it would explain like it's the bruce list architecture you know that it was all boxy rooms um, i guess so yeah and that kind of makes sense in that regard it wasn't like sprawling big mansions like resident evil no. it was uh, small little rooms and corridors and stuff like that but um yeah so i mean i don't know what else to say about it i i love the game as, I, as i've said i think and, and it did get a dreamcast port um which makes me think that we should probably see if if rich can get a dreamcast copy of it um, that's my and, and uh, that's my it. gateway in definitely and definitely. i think i know now what i think i know what might put me off by actually playing this game originally now i remember when i played the original Jurassic park on the mega drive mm. and when the t-rex appears in that that freaked me out as a 10 year old so that's probably why i never <laughs> she went on to dino uh, crisis so there we go. So we've got, yeah. Well, you know, you're a, you're a grown man now. Hopefully, you won't get too freaked out by the dinosaur and Dino oh. Crisis. We'll you see. Need to, you need to exercise that demon, Rich. You need to just yeah. get in there. I do. Space I it. do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, so Steve, I'll come to you first. Was this uh, was this a game changer for you, or just a game? I'm guessing it wasn't uh, shit. It's comfortably a game. I think. Yeah. I mean, history has shown it didn't. I mean, it got sequels, but it didn't take off did it we're not seeing dino crisis no. 12 are we so true. I, i'd say it's game but a good one but just a game okay uh rich the person who hasn't played it what would you put it as yeah it'd be a game a game that i need to play so yeah could be a game changer you never know we go yeah um let's get a gofundme page started to uh to buy the game for you. i'm not sure buy all my games. on the dreamcast all of the games that rich hasn't played um please please help him uh help him <laughs> play them um <laughs> I, I would say that yeah it's 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 a game for me as well it, and like you said steve it's it's a good game like it's high up on that on that game level mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean the sequel was not even in the same genre really um no they went pre- back to pre-rendered right pre-rendered it was more of an action game yeah um, i remember really liking it though i remember you liking that really which... enjoying it but it was very very different very different and then three they went to space uh with jetpacks um <laughs> so you know you, you know how well that series did if that's where they went uh with the third game yeah, um, when you play the space card that early it's probably not gonna last much longer exactly they never um, did any kind of offshoots did they like an arcade version like a light gun or anything like that because there, like, there was a light there was a light gun game yeah, there was okay. a Lycan game for the PS2, if I remember right. It was like, I can't believe it's called now, but it, yeah, it was a Lycan game. It was based on Dino Crisis 2, I think. Oh, okay, cool. Um, 
Yeah, but it was it was when they did all of those like Resident Evil like gun games like, like Gun Survivor, Survivor and, and stuff, Gun yeah. Survivor and and Dead Aim, and then they did the Resident Evil Code Veronica one. It was like that was Gun Survivor three oh, yeah. or something, I think. Um, yeah, so they did, and that was one of the ones they did. So um, there we go. Uh, next up is one that I know for sure somebody really, really wants to talk about and has a lot to say. Um, so naturally, I'll go to Rich first. Um, Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> PS1, <laughs> released 22nd of February 1999. Rich, Metal Gear Solid, what are your memories of this game? <laughs> this is the bit why I hide under a cardboard box in shame. Um, <laughs> played a demo. <laughs> <laughs> I was I've I've never been a person that enjoyed sneaking around in games. I love to go all guns blazing, barging through, just making mm-hmm. as much noise uh, and being as much of a twat as possible. I don't I never do the slowly, softly, softly approach. So mm-hmm. it was yeah, it was never a series that drew me in. Um okay. I do remember when the first time I played it, I think it was on one of the uh, demo discs of on the official PlayStation magazine. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away at the time, like the opening cutscenes, the the credits at the start which was very it was you know it's like watching a film and that mm. stuff really stuck out to me really really did um yeah i just i remember just how much how cinematic it was that's my biggest takeaway mm. i don't remember enough about actually playing it but just the sights the sounds of it all the codex stuff the voice acting um mm. yeah it was just a really really cool package and but one i never went back to there we go. All right, well, it's another one that we can... I'm going to make a list soon. I'm going to make a list of all the games that Rich hasn't played and should play. And we're going to have to, like... a podcast for this. <laughs> separate podcast. Rich plays this oh, game God. that he should have played years ago. Um, so I, we need to move on to... So, Steve, um, mm-hmm. this Steve. is a game... This is a game that I know you love a lot. Uh-huh, um, yeah. B- because yeah. you played it so much back in 1999. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us why. What do you like about it so much? Um, it's difficult to know where to start, uh, and it's but it, it's also difficult to know where to stop. So please do stop me um, if I go on. But I just I just adore this game and this series. I mean, okay, so Metal Gear Solid is not the best game in the series, and when you go back to it, it's pretty dated. Um, but for what it did at the time, um, and the way it changed how you could feel about games like up, up to that point you know the stories in video games were what they were they were very rarely that impressive they were vehicles through which you engage with gameplay right um mm. it's that old joke of a story in a video games like a story in a porno it's like you, you don't need it it's just there to move things along mm. uh but metal gear solid is about the story and it starts off very early illustrating this because the opening cutscene is uh you know it tells you where it is there's like the typeface going across the bottom of the screen and it says that you're in uh archipelago in alaska Uh, it's a nuclear weapons disposal facility and Mm. it's all the music is like 90s action film spy thriller type stuff um and there you have a colonel that's talking to you and he's talking in military acronyms and he's explaining the situation to you and it's like it's taking itself very very seriously and it draws you in straight away with how serious it takes itself and there's so much effort into that goes into the detail of this 
Uh, and as Rich said, then there's credits rolling on the screen as you're playing the game at the beginning, and it, it just feels it felt so cinematic in a way that no game had before then. Mm. Um, but then, like as the game goes on, it starts to it starts to subvert that by it's it's so it's just like schlocky spy thriller, right? But mm-hmm. then it's subverting that because it's talking to you about the ethics of messing with people's DNA and private military corporations and talking about nuclear proliferation and how mutually assured destruction is created. Like, it's deeply political and it mm. has no shame in doing it at, at all. And it, it just sort of creeps up on you before you realise it. You're being preached at. And then... But then on top of that as well, it's also a deeply strange game because it breaks the fourth wall constantly. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do it in the point at the camera and wink type way. It's not breaking the wall, the fourth wall for laughs. It's breaking the fourth wall like in universe. Like the colonel tells you to do things by pressing the action button. Yeah. <laughs> which is so strange. But it's so good. Um, mm-hmm. The best fourth wall break. In order to make progress, you have to dial up a certain frequency on your codec, and a and a character in the game tells you that the uh, the co- the uh, the frequencies on the back of the CD case, right. and you're and 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 then he dies, and you're like, well, what the hell does that mean? So you're going through your inventory trying to find a CD case, mm-hmm. uh, and you eventually realize, uh, as I did when a friend told me that you get the actual physical CD case that you bought with the game in it and you look on the back and the codec is on a screenshot on the back of the game case. <sighs> wow. Which is <laughs> nuts. It yeah, was nuts is. at the time and I still I still think that's nuts. It was just and yeah. it was the game was littered with stuff like that. And yeah. it's just it's just an absolute joy. It's an absolute I, I adore that game. Yeah. I mean you can tell by you just speaking about it how much you obviously you love it, and those fourth wall breaks. I mean, the, another big one was um, what was the name of the? Was it the vampire character that with the controller, the vibrating controller? What was that one? So there's a boss fight in that game. Uh, he's not a vampire. That's not till Metal Gear Solid Two. Oh, that's that's sorry. Yeah, that's vamp. That's vamp in two. Uh, in right. the first game, it's Psy- Psycho Mantis, mm. and oh, he can read. He can read your mind. Uh, so um, so as you're fighting him, he's like doing reversals on you, and he's attacking you before you can get your punches out. Mm. Um, and you eventually learn by calling the colonel on the codec um, that you can... I, I, I can't remember if he tells you explicitly. I think they just kind of give you little hints. But if you unplug the controller from controller port 1 and mm-hmm. plug it back into controller port 2 on the actual PlayStation hardware, then mm. you can beat him because he can no longer read your quote-unquote mind. He can no longer <laughs> read your controller inputs. And that's how mm. you beat him. And when he di- as he's dying, he just sort of says, you used the other... Ugh. <laughs> like it's it's crazy I, I i can't think of a game that's done that since no and, and like you said it was littered with that stuff i mean there was it could read your memory card is that right there was one where it was that it, the, same, the same character? boss fight yeah he he yeah. reads your memory card and if you have any konami games on there he just makes fun of you for your taste in konami games <laughs> well, it's think, like a mill brooks I, film at times seriously yeah though no, yeah <laughs> But 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 really serious and like never <laughs> never cracking as well. It's mm. great. Yeah, but it was. I mean, I mean, you say it was really serious, and, and it, yeah, it was. But it did have its own sense of humor as well. I I very much remember there being some very comical 
whether or not they were purposefully comical there were some comical parts of that game yeah um, for sure it, it was littered with 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 camp and there was a character who's become a recurring character throughout the series who always has bowel issues and is always <laughs> shitting himself which you know is not i mean it's not good humor but no. when it's in the middle of a game that's dealing with very serious themes mm. it stands out and it endears you to uh to what's to what's to what's happening yeah yeah um I mean, again, kind of going back to our last episode because uh, <laughs> we we talked about this game in uh, at length. It was probably one of the mm-hmm. reasons we went to two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. There was we talked about a lot more than that. Um, but <laughs> there was. Um, I think we talked about. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of the stuff that you remember, and a lot of stuff you're bringing up that you remember quite fondly, is to do with the story of the game, and then mm-hmm. kind of bringing it back to the actual gameplay, so the sneaking mechanics, the you know how you actually play the game. Is that something you remember as fondly, or is that you know, is that almost um, kind of just secondary to the, the story of it? I remember being very fond of it at the time. I, it was very frustrating as well when you got caught. Obviously, there's that. Um, that sound effect everybody knows mm. um and then the music <laughs> the music is is great and also everybody knows but mm. it also went along with some pretty frustrating gameplay at times because you have to run away from the guards and hide mm-hmm. and oftentimes when you get caught it doesn't feel very fair the camera's not brilliant uh it's mm. mostly in a um, look, looking at you from above, kind almost isometric, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And so you can't see very far, so you don't know if you're going to bump into somebody. So oftentimes, when when you get seen, it doesn't feel very fair. It doesn't feel like it's your fault, and you spend a lot of time running away. Um, and it can be it can be frustrating. Um, but when the stealth works, when you've got it down, it is mm. really cool and really good fun. Like you can knock on the wall to distract them. You can get them to follow your footprints, to lure them around corners, to break their necks. Mm. Um, you can lay traps, uh, and all of the equipment is uh, either real world or feels like real world stuff. Like you don't pick up a you don't pick up a pistol. You pick up a, a, a SOCOM. And you don't pick up a silenced pistol. You learn that the SOCOM can be fitted with a suppressor, which you find later. And that mm. stuff just feels really cool to play with because it feels very grounded and it feels very real. But the gameplay is the is easily the weakest part still, uh, particularly now. If you go back, it's a difficult game to play. It feels very stiff. Mm. Uh, it also looks like shit too, which is a shame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. Given the approach, the cinematic approach that they were going for, you spend a long time looking at the character models very close up. Yeah, and there was no mouths; that they barely had faces. So when they I... talked, they were just nodding, and they just mm-hmm. looked like nodding. I don't know. They looked like their faces were painted onto the back of a trowel. It's (laughs) difficult to look at, but also most of the cutscenes, I think all of the cutscenes, in fact, were rendered in engine, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly ambitious on the PlayStation 1. So it's impressive in that respect. But yeah, it's not it's not aged particularly well in either the gameplay or the or the graphics. That story, though, that that story still holds up and it's a heck of a lot of fun to play. Yeah, to play through. 
and, and they did remake it on the on the GameCube, um, the the Twin Snakes. So the graphics kind of improved in that regard. But they changed they changed the gameplay for that, didn't they? They, they kind did. Of made it. It was Metal Gear Solid Two engine and gameplay mechanics with the Metal Gear Solid One story. Is that right? That's that's. I I think I don't know the exact details, but it felt like the Metal Gear Solid Two engine, mm. and they just they just remade Metal Gear Solid One in that. Um, and it was fun to play that game with all the Metal Gear Solid 2 mechanics, although I don't think they messed, they messed around at all with enemy placement or anything, so that game's incredibly right. easy, because you right. can do a heck of a lot more in 2 than you could in 1. Um, mm. But the, the real problem with that game is in the cutscenes, because they, they got everybody back, all, all, the voice, all the voice actors came back, mm-hmm. uh, and they re-recorded everything, which was really cool, and it was, it was fun to go through as like an alternate universe version of Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. But it's a lot sillier. Um, obviously, the Matrix came out, so it had that "we want to be like the Matrix" type feel. And mm. Snake is like backflipping over bullets and jumping off rockets in midair. And <laughs> like Snake is a cool character because he's like because he's fallible and he fucks up all the time and he yeah. takes a lot of knocks. In Twin Snakes, he's basically Neo, and it's ridiculous. Mm. Uh, so the Twin Snakes, if it don't, if you're going to play Metal Gear Solid for the first time, don't play Twin Snakes because it's not a good representation of that story, in my opinion. Fair enough. Okay. Well, um, let's uh, let's kind of draw it to a close there. I, there's so much more we could say. There's so many more Metal Gears. We'll probably bring them up <laughs> in future episodes for sure. Um, and uh, what one thing that hadn't been released when we first recorded this, but now has been released, is Hideo Kojima's new game, which is Death Stranding. Uh-huh. Which... <laughs> Um, me and Steve uh-huh. are both playing. We could probably talk about forever, <laughs> but this isn't the podcast to do that. Um, Holy shit, man! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. Um, fully, you know where those babies that. come from? You know where those babies come from? Uh, the babies? I, I yeah. haven't got that far yet, but I've I've heard. Jeez, I've heard. man. Anyway, yeah. let's not get into it. Let's but... not. Let's not. Let, let's not. We've got other games to play uh, to talk about. Um, so, game changer, Steve. Is that where we're going? Game changer, or? absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Rich, what were you, what were you saying? Another game for you? I think in the case of Metal Gear Solid, I'm uh, more towards Game Changer. Again, I've not played it, but I can't ignore how big a series that is and how you know, how widely regarded like Kojima is. Yeah. And so much of it is obviously because of Metal Gear. So obviously I know Konami screwed the pooch, but mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Game Changer, I think it's fair. Yeah, I think um, I would agree. So that's the, that's the first Game Changer of this podcast which is uh, there you go we've got that one in um so let's move on now this is going to be the last playstation one game we will move on to games that i'm sure um richard definitely has played um but let's just check if he's played this one first um released on the 23rd of february 1999 silent hill uh rich coming to you first again is this one that you've you've played um yeah not oh, all of it, whoa, but yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> M- more than just a demo? More than 45 minutes? is. Yeah, I played it at my cousin's house okay. back when it came out. Uh, we sat mm. up in his bedroom and played it. Um, yeah, that that I think what I liked about Silent Hill, that was more my kind of horror. Mm. And that's funny coming from me who's a zombie fan, which I think, you know, you'd think Resident Evil would be exactly what I wanted, but... I like the more kind of psychological, and I know Sun Hill was a bit more kind of had, in a way, more of a weird like avant-garde kind of European kind of horror feel, but mm. way more psychological, more kind of almost 
artsy in a way like just creepy um so i like the atmosphere of it a lot um obviously you can't ignore the abundance of fog in that game Mm-hmm. But everyone obviously says that's kind of what heightens the atmosphere, and that's definitely true. Mm. Um, yeah, so the, I never played. I have only ever played the first one. I will confess, I never went on to play any sequels. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like what I played. It did creep, it did freak me out a bit. I always remember. I can't remember exactly if it was like in the diner. And do you have like a Geiger counter at some point? You have like radiation or something. Something it's, go. Something it's went radio. off. It's like it was a radio. The radio. Was radio, literally yeah. that. Because I thought it went off and it... Uh, I'm it sure does. it like, detected something that was nearby. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got a radio that, yeah, it starts to go... Yeah. If there's an enemy nearby and, yeah, it's mm-hmm. very scary. I think I just assumed there was a guy counter at the party. I remember I was in, like, a diner or something and it went off. And I'm sure something went past, like, the window. Mm-hmm. And that freaked me out. Yeah. I might I remember be completely that. getting yeah. this wrong, but... No, no, no you that's right. completely awesome. right. <laughs> yeah. That um, was one of the bird enemies, wasn't it? Like, the flying enemies that goes past the window, I think. Because they burst through the window. Anyway, sorry, carry on, Rich. That's right, yeah. Yeah, but I was pretty much wrapping up my thoughts on the game. But I did love the film as well, so by association. Mm. Yeah, no. I, I like, yeah, I like Sun Hill. I wish yeah. I actually did have played more. But for what I can tell, anything after 2 it did kind of... You know, it was diminishing returns, that series. Uh, I guess. I mean, I, I'd argue that... that the, the original three including three so one two and three are probably the best three is a great game still and then four was good in its own way but that's taking us off on a tangent um just to come back to what you said about the film probably my favorite game film of all time mm. is the is the silent hill film that is mm. a great sorry right, brothers film. come on now i think <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i know ironically like that film i won't i won't I, go I off on a tangent i do enjoy that film. anyway <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there we go. It's, it's good that you've you've kind of got some thoughts on on that one, and we don't have to make you play it, but we do have to make you play the sequels by the sound of it. Mm. Um, Steve, what are your hello. memories and th- hello? What are your memories and thoughts about Silent Hill? Um, it was great. I again, I didn't play horror games at the time, uh, so I played you. I, I played you. I watched you play this game an awful lot. <laughs> uh, yes, to be did, honest. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not sure. I mean, I love horror games now. I don't know that I could play Silent Hill now, even. I wouldn't mm. be necessarily scared by it. But Silent Hill has... Uh, Silent Hill's horror is in the oppression and mm-hmm. the unyielding nature of its imagery and the sense of dread. And that's tough. Like, there's been talk lately about whether or not games should be should always be fun. Mm. What with um, The Last of Us 2, I think there was some talk around that. Obviously, that's not out yet, but I think some people from the studio were saying, we don't want it to be fun, we want it to be engaging, which is different. Yeah. Uh, and people have said that about Death Stranding as well. It's not a fun game, it's an engaging game. And I think Silent mm-hmm. Hill is not a fun game, mm. but it is enrapturing and you want to keep going. You, it's It shows you this... It shows you this blood-covered shit pile and says, "Dive in and keep going because it gets worse." And you're compelled, <laughs> and you're compelled to do so. Uh-huh. And I, I'd never played a game like I never played a game like that before, uh, and it was a trip. It was very exciting to see mm. it through. Yeah, it definitely was, and I can't remember if it was Silent Hill One or Silent Hill Two, but I have very. Um, vivid memories of me, you, and our other friend Emily 
mm-hmm. um, staying up basically all night, and you guys were just watching me play. Um, pretty sure yeah. it was all night, but I can't remember if it was the first or second game. It was one of the two. Um, but yeah, that Silent Hill one was. I mean, you know, Resident Evil kind of came in early. You know, there's been survival horror horror games for years and years and years. You know, you've had Alone in the Dark and all of that kind of stuff. And then Resident Evil came in and, and, and brought in it at a different level with the zombies and the and the, you know the kind of camp horror element of it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of eighties, nineties horror kind of um, thing. And then Silent Hill went, well, fuck that. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it properly. Um, and let's scare the bejesus out of everybody without you know without actually having many if any jump scares or a few um and they and they succeeded like ridiculously well like the the sense of dread and terror that you have through that whole game like going around a corner that you can't see around because of all the fog which you know it was part part of that was because of restrictions of the console you know the ps wouldn't the ps1 couldn't render the entire town all at once so they had to have the fog there but that was you know putting the fog in there rather than just not having it render that Uh far was really a really good thing i think it's fair to say it was entirely a a hardware issue but they did a very good job of it's like it's kind of like poetry in a way where you work within your limitations and that creates something interesting, right? Uh, mm. On the PlayStation 1, they couldn't render that far in front. So what did they do? They made it really foggy outside. They made it really dark indoors and it worked incredibly well. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. And it was everything about that game that, that kind of came together. It was, you know, there's always, there's some games that parts of it are better than the rest and you can kind of forgive the shortcomings of other bits um, because the rest is so good. Like you were saying about Metal Gear Solid, you know, some of the gameplay wasn't maybe up to scratch, was, you know, a bit um, iffy. And and yeah, there was parts of that in this, parts of that in Silent Hill. But like you said, all the parts came together really well. So you've got the, uh, you know, the limitations of the console, meaning you had to have fog and dark. Well, it's a horror game, you know, that that kind of ups the tension. You've got um, uh, things like, um, I'm trying to remember now what else I was going to say, because it's kind of slipped out of my memory. Um, <laughs> um, you've got stuff like, um, I mean, at the time, the voice acting was absolutely fucking horrendous. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that was That was a thing of the time, to be honest. I don't think I remember any games from that time frame having good voice acting. No. But that game made it weirdly work to its um, uh, to its benefit because it made it unnerving. You yeah. know, having massive long pauses between what people were saying, have it sound like really not nobody sounded genuine in the game, and that was no. because they were terrible voice actors. But it was it came across as you know these were the characters and they sounded you know ungenuine and and scary and creepy. Um, so yeah, the, and 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 even things like the fighting, the the combat in the game, you know, it was really stilted and difficult, and and you couldn't run very long um, before you got out of breath. But that was because he's just a normal guy. Like Harry, the main yep. character, was just a regular guy, um, and you know you couldn't fight, you know, properly. So that all it all made sense. It was limitations. It was things that in any other game you'd go, actually, that's a bit crap. But in Silent Hill, it's like, well, it's it has an explanation. There's a reason behind it, and it uh-huh. actually heightens the the whole tension and the whole horror of it i think that, well, that's my thought anyway yeah even sure. his, even harry's aim was like kind of off as well wasn't it like with the gun playing it it was just mm. yeah like yeah. he yeah. he handled the gun really clumsily and yeah, he awesome. wasn't that great at shooting and when you had to hit stuff with melee weapons he was bad at it and mm. you and it, it it increased this feeling of vulnerability because you were doing what you had to rather than doing what you do right he, he doesn't know how to do that he's doing it because mm. he has to do it 
um we, we need to talk about the fact that the world turn the world you, you've got like the real world right mm. and then occasionally is it like set parts throughout the game where it changes yeah. into yeah. like hell to describe it in shorthand mm. it's more complicated than that i think but mm-hmm. it is the same place it's just a hell version of that place mm-hmm. and whenever that happened there was a siren uh and the hell but the, the hell place was horrible it was horrible it was like mm. so oppressive the music the way it looked the music the enemies the sound design all just worked together to make it uncomfortable as possible and difficult to play through mm-hmm. uh in the best way yeah absolutely. and I, the bit i remember most about that uh i don't know where it was was it in a hospital there was like a painting on the wall mm. of a door and like two corpses hanging next to it but mm-hmm. to say to say two corpses doesn't do it justice because they're like dressed in some kind of weird robes and they're like hung up on frames or something and they're Mm. either side of a door and then when you when you're in the hell world and you come back to the same place the painting is not there anymore but the door is there and the two corpses Mm. hanging either side of it are there i remember that being being so unsettling (laughs) like i thought i thought about that all the time after i saw that because it was like that's fucked up that's so creepy and weird yeah there's a lot of fucked up things. I mean, the the, the the children in the school that kind of run around and hack at your um, shins, that was mm-hmm. fucking creepy. They were like invisible children, weren't I think, if I'm remembering that rightly. Yeah. That run around and hack at your shins. And no, then the, the... I, I, I think they, were, they weren't invisible, but there were also like invisible things that like made a squeaking noise and ran away from you. Or That's something. it, yeah. But there were, there were kids that like hacked at your shins. I say kids. It was meant to be kids, but they obviously didn't well, look like kids, but they were they tiny. Were, they were tiny monsters that you found in a school, so I think you yeah. were supposed to interpret the fact that they were kids. Uh, yeah. Um, and the nurses, the, the sexy and in inverted commas, sexy, horrible nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which they really went to town on, on in the Silent they Hill really film did. as well. They really yeah, did. Um, the moans and stuff. It was yeah, it was very sexualized. It's creepy. Very sexualized. Yeah, very creepy. Um, but yeah, I mean the rust in the other world. It was all rust and blood and mm-hmm. like yeah, it was it was creepy. But even the regular world was creepy because it was empty. There was apart from the, the few characters that you met every now and again, there was nobody there, and it was like, well, what am I going to find? Um, and I think uh, to touch on one of the characters that the, the creepiest encounter I had with the character, apart from Sybil, the, the police officer woman was with Lisa, who was the nurse at the hospital that you found. And that was the most unsettling like interaction I'd ever had with a character ever. Like you, you met her for the first time and she was the nice character who kind of didn't know what was going on either. Mm-hmm. And you kind of bonded with her a little bit. She was like both the, kind of... the one thing that you could cling to in the game, right? Yeah. She was kind and nice and she was pretty and you were like, thank God you're here because yeah, you helped exactly. us feel slightly less horrifying. You go into a room where she was and the cutscene would start and you go, oh, thank God there she is. You know, yeah, I don't have to yeah. worry for a minute. And then within, I think it was like the third or the fourth time you met her, you know, she, over the course of meeting her, she kind of like started revealing bits about herself and the situation that she'd found herself in and who she was. And you kind of started to get slightly creeped out because, you know, things weren't quite as they seemed. And by the the, the final time you meet her, basically her, she starts bleeding from everywhere, from her eyes, uh-huh. her ears, her nose. And then she just dies. And it's like, what in the... And the person that you'd kind of built this relationship with and seemed like the normal, in inverted commas, person just kind of gets ripped away in the most horrific way possible. 
and that just kind of that, that sticks with me and some of the music the music that plays over that section is is really poignant as well and it's just ugh. um i could talk about the music all day like akira yamaoka is probably my favorite game composer i've seen him live he's fantastic and the silent hill soundtracks are amazing mm-hmm. um yeah i could talk about that game all day yeah, like it- you could talk about metal gear solid i could talk about silent hill all day. <laughs> It's strange. The, it's a um, series that they've abandoned. Like I know Konami's interests mm. are elsewhere, but just, like, where we're at now, technology-wise, just it could be an amazing game. I mean, we saw I that know, PT, which obviously never. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Mm. I mean, they seem to just have abandoned everything. Really, they're good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hill. These are all franchises that like people are clamoring for, that people remember so fondly, and they just kind of go, eh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Let's they make a they, pachinko machine out of it. Exactly. Well, I was going to say they have made a new Silent Hill, and it's a fucking pachinko machine, which says it all, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they'll, but they'll bring back Contra. You know, they'll bring back Contra for the for the fifteenth <laughs> well, time. Contra gets Contra gets outsourced, though, right? I think that's why Contra comes back. Mm, but it is such a shame because Konami is sitting on some. I mean, I don't want them to go back to Metal Gear because, you know, Kojima's not there and I don't want them to do that. True. But they're sitting on so much good. I mean, Castlevania, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But still, like, it's it's well known is the point. And yeah. uh, it's sad. It's sad. It's, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad. Um, but this is one of the reasons that kind of this podcast exists in a way because these are the games that we remember so fondly and that you know we could go back and play now and it's a shame that they don't have them now to play um but those games still exist um and they're fucking amazing still mm-hmm. um and on that note um being conscious of time um i'm gonna say that's a game changer for me um i think it's very fairly clear from what i said that's a game changer uh steve what about yourself uh, game changer, definitely. It uh, introduced the idea that horror didn't have to be schlocky, jump scary nonsense. It could be something that was yeah. actually affecting psychological, and it did it very well. Yeah, Rich, what about yourself? I think like Metal Gear, I can err towards a game changer. It's something that I didn't want to play for certain reasons past a certain point, but I totally can appreciate basically what it, the, you know, the impact it had. Like you said, with gaming, with the horror genre. Yeah, yeah it absolutely left an impression. So, yeah, game changer. Brilliant. Okay. Um, well, now I am going to move on to really the thing that we are here for, you know, the reason the podcast exists, which is uh, the Dreamcast, which released um, in 1999. Um, so it's its 20th anniversary in the UK and the, e- uh, the UK, the EU and the USA. It's its 20th anniversary this year. It's already been and gone um and yeah um both myself and rich obviously huge fans um i know steve you're quite a fan of the dreamcast as well although you haven't ever owned one yourself mm-hmm. that's right i would say yeah. i'm an admirer yes an, an admirer you admire the dreamcast mm-hmm. that's good um so yeah uh, this came out um the 14th of october in 1999 that was the launch date of the dreamcast um and so I'm going to speak about four Dreamcast games because it seems fitting for the year that it came out that we kind of dedicate half of this to that. Um, So we're going to talk about a few of the launch titles because there were quite a lot and quite a lot of the launch titles were great. And we'll also talk about another one that came out a little bit later in that year. Um, So the first game we're going to touch on um, is probably a biggie, actually. Uh, It's a launch title, um, 14th of October, um, Sonic Adventure. I feel Mm. like I want to come to Rich for this one first. Rich, Sonic Adventure. Yeah, um, I did pick this up with my Dreamcast on day one. Um, it's like a lot of games. It's 
it's not aged brilliantly. It's very messy, um, but it's still a game I love. Um, it was an essential game for Sega at the time as well, because I mean they'd abandoned pretty much abandoned Sonic throughout the entire life of the Saturn. Mm. So they had to basically hit big with the launch of the Dreamcast. I oh, look, Sonic's here. It's so important. It was an ambitious title as well. It was trying to do everything that Nintendo had achieved with um, Mario, with Mario 64. Mm. Um, yeah, and I just really, really loved Sonic Adventure. Um, from the opening level from Emerald Coast, it just wowed me. I mean, it was. I remember early, before even the Dreamcast came out, it's one of those kiosk games. You saw it playing yeah. in the stores. It would, you know, it would pull a bit of, you know, a mini crowd. People had never seen anything like it before. The stuff with the killer whale was just breathtaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's just it was <laughs> for every problem it had, like the really crappy voice acting, the horrible animations, the very very erratic camera. Um, <laughs> it did some interesting things as well. I mean, having like the actual hub world in the city. Having mm. some actual kind of open worlds as well, which was the first time for Sonic. Um, yeah. Even the KOs as well with the VMU. It was just... Sega, would tr- like with the Dreamcast itself, it was, Sega were trying to do something different. Trying to be a bit ambitious and it has to be commended, I think, for that. Like I said, it plays like a mess and it kind of... It was the beginning of the Sonic games we get now and all their flaws but Mm. I still think unlike a lot of the games that followed it it was still a good game not as good as the 2D ones but still a good game I don't it's so difficult with with Sonic Sonic Adventure it kind of proved that maybe Sonic doesn't work in 3D because Mm. you've got a game that's built on speed and that's hard to convey when you've got a 3D environment you've got a camera that's trying to keep up mm-hmm. and it has to kind of take the control out of your hands and from a you know a game design standpoint and being someone that's playing a game it's so many segments where you're just kind of hands off the controller you must have put it on the bed and just kind of watch it <laughs> he's doing loop the loops he's going along the bridge with the killer whale It's it looks great but it's like I'm not playing it anymore it's mm-hmm. actually kind of like some of the new wrestling games I'm watching moves take place for like <laughs> 10 15 seconds and i'm not doing any inputs and it's just mm. i don't know but nah I, I do love sonic adventure it it pales in comparison to the 2d ones but it was mm. a very important game on the dreamcast launch so yeah yeah it's a big game um what about just just briefly touching on what about your thoughts about sonic adventure 2 did that improve on it would you prefer that or um, I didn't actually play a lot of Sonic Adventure 2, which I know refined a lot of the issues that there were with the first Sonic Adventure. Again, mm. okay, because I mean, Sonic Adventure 2 came out fairly late, didn't it? Into, it well, did, yeah. So it's fairly late, year two of the Dreamcast. Yeah, t- 2002 <laughs> it came out, yeah. Towards the end. <laughs> yeah, towards the end. And I think my Dreamcast was already bricked at that point, so I never right. got to enjoy it, unfortunately. But I know it improved a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but... Mm. Because they kind of, they scaled back a bit, didn't they, with Sonic Adventure 2? It kind of went away from the whole open worlds and kind of yeah. had the more straightforward levels interspersed yeah. with um, the cutscenes, kept it more linear. Much. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I need to actually do, I need to do, do need to play Sonic 2. 
And Sonic Adventure yeah. 2, should I say? Sonic Adventure 2, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's on some modern consoles as well because they port they ported that one over to the Xbox, I think. So you can probably get mm. and the PC, yeah. so you can get it on the on those two, um, like the first one. Um, but Steve, mm-hmm. do you have do you have thoughts on Sonic Adventure? Uh, I do, but I don't want to spend too long on them because uh, we've done we've done this once before, and I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be dunking on Sonic Adventure um, too much. <laughs> uh, oh, the the stuff with the killer whale and all that was and still is impressive. I like to I still like to see that stuff. Mm. Uh, also, Sonic Adventure is a very bright and sunny game. It's a very blue sky game, and I appreciate it for that. It's got a real light and fun feel to it Mm. but for me it was it was the first 3d sonic game Uh, i mean wasn't there a game called sonic 3d on the mega drive i think Um, it was like isometric it was like fake 3d yeah yeah sonic 3d flicky's island i think that's right that's right yeah which i loved at the time but uh, technically this is the first sonic game in 3d and i they attempted to innovate on the 2d speed-based gameplay and failed in my opinion the only mm-hmm. parts of sonic adventure where it feels like a sonic game are the parts where you're not playing it and all of the parts <laughs> where you are playing it feel horrible and it's a real shame because uh i i, I ain't got no beef with sonic like i was a master system kid then i was a Me- mega drive kid i uh read sonic the comic i watched the cartoons i love sonic so mm. I, I i take no pleasure in it but i i it's a shame that they couldn't manage to make the transition into 3d and i feel mm. like they still haven't sonic adventure was the first in many sadly many failures um i i, I want mm. them to work it out because sonic's great mm. and it just I feels mean, like they can't no I mean, it, it sounds like, I mean, from looking at what they've done recently, which is um, kind of farm it out to a different company and to make Sonic Mania, which was back to 2D. Sounds yeah, which is like great. the idea is just to, yeah. just to go back to 2D. Um, that but might can be you... What they need to do. With, um, the advance, with the advancement in, like, in hardware now, if they made a 2D Sonic, if they made a new 2D Sonic game, it could be so cool. It could be so good. Like, I, I'm just thinking yeah. what they could do with the art style and with the level design and stuff. If they made something more traditionally 2D, it would be great. I just wish they'd stop. I mean, apparently they must sell well. A lot of people <laughs> maybe seem to like them. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, just, um, they... hear the rumors about there might be a remake of Sonic Adventure. <laughs> I actually saw it recently because there's been like remixed tracks from the game on Spotify. So everyone's mm. like, oh, it must be a remake. Oh. Well, I remember the the director of that game said, I think for the twentieth anniversary, he was like, "Oh yeah, I'd go back and I'd remake that game." Um, so I remember that that was a thing, but I don't know if anything's actually coming of mm. it or not. But that'd be pretty be pretty interesting if if they don't just remake it, they'd have to. It, it could basically it couldn't just be a remaster; they'd have to no. remake it and yes. fix it um, mm-hmm. if they were going to do that. I think yeah, they'd have to be. take out maybe eighty percent of the game and then replace it <laughs> and then replace it with something worthy. <laughs> Let's get rid of Big the Cat. That's all I ask. Oh please. god, I, I I I don't I don't remember the name of the robot, but I remember the robot's oh, ending was was really good. The robot yeah. sucked, but the robot's ending right. where it turns out that there was a little bird inside it the whole time, and it escapes oh. from the robot and flies away. Uh, and there's like a freeze fr- freeze frame of it flying away to freedom, and that was I remember that being quite touching at the time. Yeah. There were good parts to that game. That, that was one of the jarring things though in that game was the the. The constant sort of change in pace. One moment you're uh-huh. zipping along, the next you're just 
slow, cumbersome robot, and then you're fishing with Big the Cat. I know they each had separate yeah. adventures, but when you kind of like jumped a little bit between characters, it was just like, come on, game. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even jumping between characters. It was, uh, I mean, that what that did, you know, that didn't help. But even when you were playing just a Sonic, you were jumping between levels and then open world where you had to basically yeah. slow down and, and do really awkward platforming with really awkward <laughs> camera angles that you couldn't see where you were meant to go. And it was... times I fell. Oh, mm. It was just, yeah. I can see what they were trying to do for sure. Like, yeah. I, I, as far as 3D Sonic goes, they were going in the right direction because that's you know, if you were thinking of a 3D Sonic back in 1999, that's kind of what you uh-huh. think you mm. would go for. Uh-huh. But they just didn't execute it. Yeah. Well, I don't well know that they didn't execute it. I just think it doesn't work. I, mm. Right. The first the Sonic games, if you play the original Sonic games, loads of the levels you don't even see huge mm. parts of, like it's barely controlled chaos you're just zipping around and it's really cool right and then at some point you run past a sign that spins around and all your points go to ching 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 <laughs> and it's cool right but you can't do that in 3d because you've got to create 3d assets and create a level in 3d and you can't just have yeah. 30 40 percent of it just be disposable mm. i don't i don't know what the answer is obviously they worked no. very hard on sonic adventure but i just don't i just don't <laughs> think it works personally mm. it it works as a selling point for the dreamcast as in hey look this is what the dreamcast can do um and then they kind of improved on it with sonic adventure 2 but you know yeah going forward from that there's been the occasional okay sonic 3d game like generations was all right uh, yeah I remember. but but it's sonic the goddamn hedgehog like it's yeah. not it's not it's not enough that there have been some okay games like make a good sonic game come on let's do this like every every, every time a mario game comes out like it's worthy right they're all great mm. Mm. sonic sonic needs it needs something like that to happen yeah and I feel like we should go into this in more detail, and um, perhaps we will on a future podcast. Hint, Possibly. hint. Um, <laughs> so um, let's let's kind of wrap that up there. Um, what are we thinking? Are we are we saying this is a game changer? Is that the consensus I'm getting here? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 a it is a game. Absolutely, I said in terms of the Dreamcast's life, day one. Yeah, I, I'd want to say a game changer purely. Mm. Within October fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Well, beyond that, <laughs> honestly, its legacy is actually quite negative. It's yeah, every bad modern Sonic game, the deviant art community. I could go on all day if you want to do, <laughs> but I find modern Sonic has a lot of issues both within the games and the fan base, and that mm. kind of started with Adventure. So, have yeah, you? It's ha- sorry, sorry, go on. Oh, save me. Uh, 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 have you ever googled your name and then the hedgehog mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay right. <laughs> that's, that's a fun that's a fun game for the listeners at home to play yeah please don't i've not played that either <laughs> i'm gonna have to do that when we finished um <laughs> i'm scared um steve, there will be abs involved i promise you oh um st- steve um game changer or um, game? just just remind me i'm not doing this as a bit just remind me what the categories were again there's game changer game or shit Oh, is that the actual? Is that the actual like official? Well, you, you can you can use whatever swear word you okay. like, right. um, but but shit is what I generally use. Okay. Um, I it, it it pains me, but it's shit. I'm sorry. Ooh. I'm sorry. I mean, can we can we qualify this? Shit? Is it like a steaming pile of horseshit, oh, no. or is it? Do you know what? Just, I don't want to. I no 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 no. People worked <laughs> people worked very hard on that game, 
and the people mm. who did it obviously loved Sonic the Hedgehog. So I don't. Mm. No, I will. Ju- I will just say it's shit. I will not. Okay, we're not qualifying it further than that. That's yeah. fine. Okay, it's not Save the shit most. For the, uh... Same shit Sorry, for the 2007 game, the one when the uh... yes, it 2007, yeah, the one, uh, I think it was 2006, the, the, the one where woman. the one where a yeah, giant yeah. anthropomorphic hedgehog kisses a real human woman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that one is pure shit. Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with game. Um, I don't have hugely fond memories of of that game. I've never been a huge Sonic fan. My other half is a massive Sonic fan, but it's never been my thing particularly. But I enjoyed it. Um for what it was but i agree with all of your points as well so i'm gonna say game um so let's move on um to another launch title um so once again 14th of october this came out and that was um virtua fighter 3tb uh the tb standing for team battle um steve i'll come to you first on this one Mm -hmm. um do you have any memories of this game have you played this one um i don't know that i've played this one specifically but i have played virtua fighter games before um mm-hmm. i and i seem to remember reading that they don't change that much between versions mm. so mm. from what i remember of virtual fighter is it's very close quarters and it feels quite slow and it feels quite stiff um mm. but honestly unless somebody jogs my memory i can't remember any, anything specific about 3tb <laughs> i won't lie uh, sorry mm. Richard, can you jog? Can you jog C's memory at all? I'm, I wish I could. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the bit where I say I'd never really played much Virtual Fighter outside of the what was on the Mega Drive. So the first one, was yeah, the first one yeah, on the Mega probably, Drive. Yeah. That, that's probably that would do. <laughs> like, mm. um, no, but again, it was a genre fighting games in general. I just kind of skipped on, so fair, fair kind of gave it a pass. Um, yeah, but. What can I really say about it? Um, I remember Shandy was drunk, and that always stuck out to me. I think that's when I played <laughs> yeah. down the Saturn. Yeah, um, I was like, "Ooh, okay, a drunk character in a game. This is different." <laughs> was um, he was he holding a gourd as well? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would replenish, so you could you'd have to like you drink some, and then you'd it'd have to like replenish before you could do the move with that again. So fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I guess Virtual Fighter is. Uh, I think the later ones people remember fondly, and the first—it's almost like the first two people remember fondly, and then the last one, which was five, people remember quite fondly. But like three, especially, people forget quite mm. a lot. Um, mm. But this is one of the ones I'm, that I've written about for the book for um, Dreamcast Year One, and going back and playing it again. Yeah, what Steve said about it being quite a slow and steady game—that's true. Um, uh, it's a technical game. It's a technical fighter. So rather than it being this big flashy, you know, kind of like Tekken-style game where every time you hit somebody, there's a big like bright red flash or something, it's it's meant to be real. It's meant to feel real. So everybody has their different, um, you know, their different martial art that they have, um, and they're all, you know, it's it's all based on real-world stuff. So that nobody's got any really flashy, ridiculous moves that you could never possibly pull off in real life. Uh, like Kasumi in Dead or Alive, who is able to kind of like blink out of existence and then blink behind you, um, which of course can't happen. Um, but yeah, Virtual Fighter Three TB. It was it, it was it, it was such an iterative game. So the first game was like Virtual Fighter One was like, wow, look at this game, it's in three D. That was kind of its thing. And then Virtual Fighter Two was like, you know, this is a great fighting game because we've mm. developed you know developed a good fighting game. It's not just three D now. It's it's a good fighting game. 
and then three took it further i mean it, it's you know it's it, not only is it 3d and fully 3d and the fact that you can you know go around each other and also go up and down for the first time in three you could kind of go up steps and it would affect where you'd hit people so if you were oh. stood at the bottom of the steps and somebody was stood higher up then you'd punch them in the middle instead of in the head you know it would affect that um things would fall off you you know you'd have an accessory and it'd fall off if you get hit hard enough um all the characters were modeled properly they all had fingers you know individual fingers um it was and and then they introduced team battle as well so the fact that you could you could kind of select a team of i think it was a few fighters and then you kind of cycle you basically have to fight somebody else's team it wasn't tag teams you couldn't swap your fighters back in in and out you just fight until they were gone and then you swap the next one in um it, it was just a very technical a technical game so if you like simulation games like if you like driving games and you like your driving games to be more simulation based mm. and to be mm. realistic um it would be the same for fighting games virtual fighter is the game that you go to if you want something that's more realistic if you want to simulate fighting <laughs> that would be real then virtual fighter would be where you go and, and virtual fighter 3 tv was a very good version of that i think mm. yeah Cool. Yeah, that tracks uh, with more on the side of a sports what? title, really. Just yeah, yeah, not quite. Mm. But... I just uh, I I remember it being so so close quarters that I spent a lot of time just punt, punching the air in front of my opponent <laughs> and going, "Oh no, I have to inch forwards slowly before I can actually hit them in the face." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it uh, yeah, it was it was definitely like that. It was very you know close combat, but yeah, I mean, I I remember it. Uh, before i played it recently i kind of it, it did fade from my memory i couldn't remember that much about it and it is one of those games that i think for a lot of people is just forgettable mm. you know it wasn't it wasn't a big flashy game and it wasn't the best looking game it was you know oh, really? looking at it now it, it didn't age that it hasn't aged that well um because it came out like a good two i think it was two years before the dreamcast came out and it was originally mm. going to be ported to the saturn and then because that went tits up they ported it to the dreamcast instead so it was already an old game by the time it came huh to the dreamcast so uh, yeah i mean i don't think there's much more to say about it and i don't i don't think you guys have anything extra to say and looking at the time we probably shouldn't say anything else about it um <laughs> but for me personally i think that was a game it was definitely not a game changer it didn't i mean it added new stuff but i don't think it added anything that that changed the game for fighting games um previous games did that perhaps but not virtual fire 3 tb which is probably why people forget about yeah. it why it's kind of left out um Steve, what about you? What would you say this game is? Game sounds about right to me. Sounds like mm-hmm. sounds like a game. I mean, I don't know what my opinion would be on any Virtual Fire game that I can remember, <laughs> but uh, right. from what you've <laughs> described and from what I can remember, which might not even be that game, I think game sounds appropriate. Yeah, Rich, what about you? Yeah, I'm thinking game. I actually might try and crack it and pick it up on eBay because I reckon it's probably one of the cheaper games versus you know, yeah, trying to get like a Soul Calibur or a Power Stone. It's probably actually quite uh, yeah, quite cheap. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's a really good segue because um, our next game is Power Stone. Um, yay. <laughs> so, yay. Um, so this was another launch title. Um, Rich, um, is this one you picked up at launch? Was it bad I skipped on this game and uh, waited until Soul Calibur? <laughs> is it bad that you skipped this game? Because yeah. um... <laughs> quite a few people have a lot of good things to say about this. I think, again, at the time, I just thought, oh, it's a fighting game. And I just totally blanked it. It's okay. bad. I know. I know. Mm. Um, but have you played it since, or is it just one that you've never? I have never played. played. I've played bits and pieces of it. I have. I've never. Okay. I've still not owned it, 
by that play that right. I went did go into play and it obviously proved me wrong. It's not a fighting game in the traditional sense. You can mm. barely say you can almost say it's not really a fighting game at all. It's mm. obviously there's combat involved, but it's all kind of melee and weapons and madness. More of mm. like a party game in a way. It's closer yeah. to something like yeah. Smash. Um but yeah, yeah, really, really awesome. Um a game that I yeah, I can't understand why it's not being supported now, why they've not bring it back with new iterations and Mm. remakes and remasters and but yeah i yeah i wish i could go back 20 years on a time machine and buy that on launch <laughs> but i can't <laughs> unfortunately no but it's also one of the probably one of the cheaper games you can buy so if you're picking up virtua fighter pick up power stone on I've... i do it's, i mean it's not it's not horribly expensive i mean it's, yeah. it's probably not like three quid but it's it's not mm. like 50 either i don't think so okay um yeah worth looking into yeah. um steve mm. what are your thoughts on power stone uh, it was brilliant. Uh, like Rich says, it's not really a fighting game. It's more of a crazy madcap brawler party game thing. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was really, really good fun. It was... It it looked really nice too, but it, it, was, it was very simple. It was quite simple to look at and it was quite simple to play. Mm. Um, you run around. It was only two players, right? The first one. Yeah, so you right. ran around in like a little arena, which is the one I remember is like a restaurant, um, mm-hmm. and you punch and kick each other, which is one way to do it. But you can also pick up weapons scattered about, like pistols and machine guns, flamethrowers mm-hmm. maybe. That might have been two, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, and you could throw stuff off from the environment at each other as well, so you could just pick up chairs and chuck them at each other. Um, but you could like run around and take cover behind stuff, and you could roll over tables, which is the one I remember being the most fun. Like as somebody's mm. strafing the room with a machine gun, and you'd sort of roll over a table to take cover from it. It was uh, really, really cool and really fun. Um, yeah. I remember being quite frustrating as well. I wasn't great at it, but mm. you the uh, titular power stones were scattered about as well or, the, or or they would sort of appear after a timer or something and after you collect mm. f- five of them maybe four three. or five three oh, oh right um yeah after you collect three you would like power up and become your super powered version of yourself mm-hmm. uh, and you could hit each other to make each other drop the power stones because i think there weren't yeah. enough for both of you there was only enough for one of you and you had to fight over them uh, yeah. and basically if you got the power up then you would win because you would fire rockets at the other per- person or whatever I remember, I remember it being quite frustrating because I could never get to them fast enough and I would always get hit to drop the ones that I did have but uh, yeah. it was all in it was all in good fun yeah no, that's the thing it was it was just a fun game wasn't it it's yeah like, for any of the other any of the criticisms you could level at it which i don't think there are many but if the, if you could level it and it doesn't matter because at the end of the day it was just a fun experience mm-hmm. you just had fun playing it um and i know that me and you played this quite a lot because uh, as i mentioned i think in i think in the deep dive we did this is one of the games that i originally got with my um dreamcast mm-hmm. and it was one of the games that we play when we've got it out of my mum's wardrobe to, to in inverted right. to test it <laughs> um so power stone and crazy taxi um were the two games that i started with on my play on, on my um dreamcast um and yeah it's it's just it's a lot of fun 
and it, it's almost like it's more fun than it has any right to be because it's actually quite a, like I say it's quite a simple game it's it's there's not many modes to it the, the second game kind of ups the ante quite significantly oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and there's tons and tons going on but the first game is so simple there's basically the arcade mode and a versus mode and I think there's a time attack mode but that's it it's really simple kind of fighting game mode but it's and and the, the arenas are fairly small and compact and it's almost like an isometric um it's almost like an isometric um like view on on, on like a cube that, mm-hmm. that all the arenas are um but yeah there's just so much going on even though there's only two of you playing it's always really frantic and there's you know like you're saying you're having to kind of whack each other to try and get the power stones um and then also it was it was the aesthetic of it as well um the whole like it was almost like a 1920s um that's kind of right cyberpunkish yeah, yeah. kind of thing and there was like you know that was like a, a pilot was one of the main characters you know what like in the pilot uniform mm-hmm. you'd see like in the by he had a biplane in the, in right, the opening yeah. cinematic and then there was like you know you go all over the world that was, was all the levels uh, with different places Egyptian in the world type woman i think mm. yeah there was a mummy um God, you, yeah. you, you, like there was also there's like a japanese um lady so there's people from all over the world different places um and it was it, it was just a really well put together and thought out game in all aspects i think um yeah it was just uh, yeah i don't know how you miss this one rich like it was i i, I get that like, i think it was advertised very much as a fighting game but it definitely and it has that part feel to it but as you said, it's it's so much more than that. It's so different from the regular fighter games, from the mm-hmm. Virtua Fighters, from the Tekkens. It's completely different. Mm. And um, and why they haven't, you know, brought up Power Stone Three, I will never know. Um, it kind of got given a uh, the the two games got given a port to the PSP of all consoles. Um, you know, and these are games that you need to play in the same room as somebody. How you quite get two or four people with a PSP all together to sit around and play this? I don't know. But yeah, it's. It baffles me because it's it's there, a great game. There must be uh, there must be a reason behind the scenes, right? Because uh, it, it's it, like you said, it's baffling that it hasn't come back. So there must be a very good reason. There must be some Imagine, licensing yeah. issue somewhere or something. I don't know. Just imagine a game with four Joy Cons. Seriously, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Power Stone Two on the Switch would be amazing. It would be. But I, I don't know. Maybe it was just the curse of being on the Dreamcast. I mean, it's, it, it's not, it's not made other games from the Dreamcast suffer. I guess, but mm. the, the, the fact that maybe, maybe it didn't sell as well as it could have done, maybe because there wasn't that many Dreamcasts sold. So, but I, I feel I like know. with, with enough time away from a game that didn't sell that well, but was, uh, very highly regarded. It's got a cult following, right? I feel like mm. yeah. that's reason enough usually to have to have another punt at something. True, true, true. Um, okay, um, what are we saying then? Rich, would you say this is a game, a game changer? What would you say? Well, I'd probably have to say a game, to be fair. Like I said, it's not really had, other than like said what Steve said, like the cult following, it's not had a last, lasting impression. I'm not blaming mm. the game for that, but obviously you know, it was, <laughs> that was down to the powers of that be. So, but mm. no, I'd say a game. Okay. Obviously a bloody good game, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve, what about you? I was kind of hoping you would go first. Um, oh, I, I, are you going to follow my answer? I was going to follow your answer. Uh, I, I, I want to say game changer, but you know, it would be nice to think that it was a proto party game, uh, and you know, and it and, and it had an impact on other games, but it it didn't. Mm. Like it didn't set the world on fire, despite the fact that it was a really 
really fun game so it's just mm. it's just a game uh, i struggle to justify game changer sadly yeah i think i'd i think i'd I feel the same way it is it's one of those it's one of those games that's a cult classic because it's so good but mm-hmm. it just it didn't reach a big enough audience and i think it's it's one of those games that's the same as roll cage oh yeah I don't know if it's, oh, yeah. it's uh, you know it was it was a fun the roll cage was a fantastic game and it even got a sequel the same as power stone but after that yeah. it just went nowhere and it grip. wasn't until recent you've got grip yeah so <laughs> recently somebody picked that up and that was a kickstarter game there, there was actually a kickstarter for a very power stone-esque game oh, right. come for the life of me what it was called but it went to the pc it just went to the pc and i don't think it did particularly well but yeah it's it's one of those games it's a it's a cult classic that people remember really fondly who have played it um but unfortunately it just it didn't mm. maybe get the love that it deserved either either from the public or from the company that made it um Right, let's move on to the final game that I've got on my list, and then we can have a probably a fairly brief chat through the rest of our games um, before we do our lovely quiz. Um, so the last game on the list is the is the last Dreamcast game on the list as well for this year. Um, this one released towards the end of 1999, uh, the first of December to be exact, and that was Soul Calibur. Um, and Rich, you've kind of mentioned this briefly already, yeah. um, so you kind of waited out. Um, and got Soul Calibur over uh, Virtua Fighter. Um, yeah, it's so funny how I skipped out, not so much on Virtua Fighter, but I skipped out on, Pol- um, on Power Stone because I thought, oh, it's mm, a fighting game, right. and then bought a thoroughbred fighting game. <laughs> but <laughs> again, it's a genre, don't really care about it much, but I did, mm. in, did own Soul Calibur, and I loved it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, since this game, I've only owned, only owned one other fighting game in Mortal Kombat, 11 okay. um but yes yeah, old caliber i've got fond memories of i sunk quite a lot of hours into the story mode um mm. just on a technical level that game is still a marvel um i mean what well, is better it looked better than the arcade version which was just baffling to me at the time <laughs> i mean you had other yeah. games like sega rally 2 they looked you could see the sacrifices that were made but with soul caliber it had the edge no pun mm. intended um <laughs> But yeah, that game was just fantastic. The way the just the way the fighting flowed, the weapons. Mm. Again, I was a newbie. I wasn't someone that had only really played like Tekken two demos on the PlayStation. Never cared about that genre. But there was just something about Soul Calibur that just clicked for me. Really, mm. really clicked. Um, yeah, what else can I say about it? It's just it's a game I want to go back to and play again because it's been so long. But it just left such an impression on me. Um, I, it was accessible as well, which surprised me, and obviously was yeah. welcome. Um, even down to like the way the menus were, they were accessible. How you perform the combinations, mm. it was yeah, it was just a total package. And I don't think there's been a good enough fighting game since. I've it's not any I've played. Well, so, so. almost it's this pretty much almost the ultimate fighting game for you then. Yeah, it doesn't take much because I don't play any other. Today. <laughs> Fair, fair. Um, Steve, what about yourself? Um, I agree with pretty much everything Rich says. I think calling it the ultimate fighting game is not is not a ridiculous thing to say at all because mm. it, it, it's yeah, it's it's great. It's super accessible. I'm rubbish at fighting games. I I, I probably like them a little bit more than Rich, but I'm very bad at them. Uh, mm. With Soul Calibur, I'm probably still bad at it. Like if I went up against somebody who was good at that game, I would probably die every time. 
but it feels really fun despite the fact that I'm bad at it. It feels very accessible and it's the fluidity of the fighting and the way you can button mash and still pull off some really cool stuff. Um, uh, it helps that it's a looker as well at the time. It was mm. jaw-droppingly gorgeous uh, and it ran extremely smoothly. It was 60 frames at the time, I'm guessing, was it? Pretty sure. Probably. Yeah, probably. It felt it <laughs> felt really fast. It felt really fluid, and the fighting was really yeah. fluid, and all the animations were really fluid, and, and and it felt it felt like there was like a crystal clarity to that game, mm. uh, and all the ring outs were really fun as well. I liked fighting on a raft going down a river, and you could yeah push them off, uh, and after you got a KO, you could keep hitting them, and they would do mm-hmm. the death scream every time you hit them, and if you were good, you could get them like five or six times. You could get them to scream five or six times before it moved on. It was really fun. It was an excellent game. Although, I will say, the intro cinematic pales in comparison to the previous games, which was Soul Blade on the PlayStation. If you've never seen Mm. the intro for that game, go look for it on YouTube, because it's amazing. But uh, that's an aside. Soul Calibur's brilliant. And, and I mean, it's a good aside. Soul Blade was actually a fairly fairly good game, and I don't think many people realised that that was the kind of predecessor no. to Soul Calibur. Well, there's a lot of confusion because people seem to think that... I read an article that said that Soul Blade didn't come out in the West at all because there was like a true. copyright infringement because the game was called Soul Edge, I think, originally. Yeah. Mm. And there mm-hmm. was some company that hadn't had some kind of name that was vaguely similar to that. And, and, and the story was that they blocked its release in the West. But it definitely came out in Europe, at least, because we played the hell out of it. Mm. You had it, like, yeah, you, you yeah. Physically had the game, yeah. so yeah, it was I like playing it. It was like that you. Tekken, but with swords. It was very exciting. Yeah, um, I remember there was the, the arena with the long grass and stuff. Uh-huh. That was that was quite a cool yeah, one. Yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, this is Soul Calibur we're talking about, and it's I mean, it's Soul Calibur. As much as Soul Blade was a cool game, Soul Calibur was the better game, and um, I think people might argue that Soul Calibur Two is the best, the best Soul Calibur game. I would think some people would argue that perhaps. But I don't know. I would argue I think that the first, the first Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur Two, pol- like polished things up. I don't know that it's miles and miles better, but it certainly polished things up. Like mm. it looks quite a lot better. If you look at them side by side, it's surprising how much better the second one looks. Like in the faces and the, like the mouths move and stuff like that. But it's mm. gameplay wise, I wouldn't say it was miles, mile, miles and miles ahead or anything. Okay. Well, there you go. But um, I mean, I, I didn't actually play much of two. I think I'm in the same boat as you guys. It was it, the first game, Soul Calibur. It's hugely accessible. It was so good to look at. I mean, it still looks good to this day. Like I've I've played it fairly recently, and it's still a good looking game. Surprisingly so. Like you know, considering it's a 20 year old game now, mm. or, you know, possibly more than. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just one of those games. It's one of those special games that it doesn't matter if you're a, fan, a fighting game fan or anything like that, it's one of those games that it doesn't matter if you like fighting games, you'd still like Soul Calibur. And I think yeah. I've had some people, um, I think even my mum and possibly my brother who are just not into those games, they, they've played it with me. And it's something to do with the weapons, I think, maybe that kind mm. of gives it an edge. Um, the, the weapons are great and uh, just the way it plays, I think, I don't know. If it, It's one of those games that feels like everybody can get on board with. Um, and that's quite rare, I think, in, in games that you get a game that everybody likes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I found anybody ever who said anything very bad about Soul Calibur, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah. Um, is there anything else to say about it? 
I think it's just um, like a lot of the big games on the Dreamcast. I think one of the things that pulled me in with Soul Calibur was just that you knew it was one of the big titles. So mm. I just I found myself always picking up those games, and they might be what pulled me in. And obviously, it left an impression. But yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Well. There's a lot we could say about this game. Um, there really is, but we are pushed for time because this is a longer than normal podcast. I mean, just to give you an, just to give you an example, I know I've mentioned the other recording we did. We went on for two and a half hours, and I figured we'd just done something wrong. But we're coming up to two hours on this one, <laughs> and I think it's just I think it's just that 1999 had so many fantastic uh, games that it's yeah. just it's difficult to contain it in an hour and a half. Um, but uh, we should move on. Game or game changer, Rich? A oh, game changer because it made me want to buy a fighting game, and I yeah, but I loved it. We've not gone back mm-hmm. to it since. It's not a series. I think that's necessarily uh, got a lot of um, you know. It's not it's not big now. I don't know if any real fighting game series that really are massive now. To be honest, mm. it's a weird genre. I don't. It's still popular, but people don't make noise about it like, like they used to. But mm. no game changer for me because yeah, I I loved it in a genre that I don't usually care about. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what about yourself? Uh, game changer, for sure. Yeah, great. Me too. Which I think means that's our our second game changer of. Actually, was no, that's our third game changer of today. Mm. We've got um, Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hill, and Soul Calibur. So that's quite a lot. It mm. just goes to show that 1999 yeah. was a bloody a bloody good year. Um, we'll we'll have a quick chat about games that we may have missed and just a few that i will list off i'm not going to talk about them unless you guys want to but just ones that released this year that are very big games um super smash brothers the first super smash brothers released in 1999 gosh um um as did um jet force gemini another rare game that i actually quite liked uh one of the few n64 games i've actually played um ape escape released um, for the ps1 uh, I know you like that one, Steve. Yeah, um, brilliant. There's yeah, wistful voice there. Um, <laughs> that was one of the first DualShock games, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, the game was built around the fact that the DualShock was new and shiny and it made full use of every part of the DualShock. You could run around with one stick um, in 360 degrees of move- movement, which is cool on its own, but also you could mm-hmm. do something else with the other stick at the same time, which was mental. Like you, wow. you could have a radar spinning around in your hands trying to find monkeys, or you could uh, control a remote control car at the same time. Yeah, it was cool. It was really, really new. <laughs> nifty and, and like it was it was good beyond that as well it was also like a legitimately fun game to play as well i i mm. I, I would like them to make a new one yeah well if anybody's listening who has that power uh please make a new one um the only other game i've got on the list is um legacy of kane soul reaver that released this year uh swear immortal vampire um <laughs> which i which i enjoyed um rich is there any from my list you want to talk about or any that you have on on your own list that you want to have a quick chat about uh quick ones on my list i would say uh team fortress classic which is one i never thought mm. i'd ever say but i have fond memories of um mm. after school land parties with my uh schoolmates and my it teacher <laughs> um wow. yeah that's the first time i ever played like team-based um shooters fondest memory of that game would be creating the uh, spray paint the logos in paintbrush oh yeah so it'd be lots of drawing knobs and saying oh mr <laughs> sherrod is a twat and then just leaving it on the level for him to find out and he'd be in the room next door wow. and just would start shouting so it just yeah, fondest memory of that game um wow. that's a good memory 
Tony Hawk skateboarding because that's just a monster of a franchise. And I mm. still remember that game when it first came out and it just blew me away. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. game that I thought was... It was accessible in a way that appealed to gamers that would never pick up a skateboard and also skateboarders mm-hmm. that have never really played a game. So mm, it was true. just perfect well controls. Yeah. Amazing soundtrack. Just, yeah, no, absolutely iconic game, I think, personally. Mm, good shout, absolutely. Um, Steve, are there any on, on your particular list that you want to mention? Uh, I'll second Team Fortress Classic. I didn't have the pleasure of playing it over a LAN with my IT teacher, but I did play a heck of a lot of it <laughs> online, and it was it was brilliant. It was a really fantastic game. Um, mm. uh, Unreal Tournament also came out that year. Wow. Um, which yeah. I spent a lot of time with. That was another mm. online shooter. I think, did did you play that as well? I can't remember. I, I, I did play i my, my biggest memory of playing unreal tournament is when i did work experience at the game company that that was in lincoln the oh, one that yeah. tested games tarantula studios and they played unreal tournament in their lunch breaks and um i was terrible at it i was absolutely terrible i managed to i think i managed to win one game but i think they let me win um just to <laughs> me- <laughs> but i enjoyed it nonetheless but yeah great game and yeah. that came to the dreamcast eventually as well so all oh, right uh, but yeah that, that that game had gestures in it and dancing technically um wow which is probably one of the first games to do that but just mm. because of the nature of playing games online at the time was still a bit of a novelty but the fact that you could wave at people was really really cool <laughs> it was really cool yeah um uh, system shock 2 came out that 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 year which is notable obviously because if without mm. that we don't have we don't have the bioshock games um, very true uh yeah uh, that's it for me there we go um i mean yeah there are so many games there are so many we could have mentioned and brought up and talked about forever um i'm sure we'll bring up some more in game of the year um if we've got time to um but now um let's move on to the quiz um i'm gonna start by saying and i feel like i've mentioned this lost episode many times um we did a we did a quiz um rich and steve tied in the quiz Mm. in our last episode so we were originally going to do a second quiz in the game of the year but because we decided to re-record it's a chance for rich to redeem himself and uh and try and beat steve (laughs) so um, at the moment i think it's one one at the moment so you won one and then you lost one i think you lost the first one didn't you rich and then you won the second one so this being your third one let's see if we can uh let's see if we can bring you out ahead um all right, so it's the same quiz as ever, um, based on the year we're in. Um, so it's 1999 or 2009. So I'm going to read out a, a bunch of games, uh, and really all you have to do is um, tell me whether they were released in 1999 or 2009. Uh, does that sound all right? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Great. Um, so I'm going to kind of alternate between you, um, and we do have a tiebreaker if we need it, um, but we've got three each. So let's start with you, Rich. Um First game, Crystal Defenders R2. Uh, um, complete guess. Um, I'm going to say... 1999. 1999, yeah. Crystal Defenders R2 is wrong. Um, oh, it is 2009. It was released on WiiWare. It's 50-50, um, the... like. It's 50-50. <laughs> That's true. I'd have said that too. That sounds like a <laughs> uh, game that would come out there. I was thinking 2009. I just, nah. Go yeah. with the other one. 
There you go. Um, so Crystal Defenders R2, I think that released on a bunch of consoles, iOS as well. Um, R2 was the second chapter. Uh, they released the, on the Wii, they released it in two chapters, R2 being the second one. Um, okay, Steve, mm-hmm. you're next up. Uh, and your game is Star Ocean Second Evolution. Star Ocean Second Evolution. Mm-hmm. That was released in... Uh, hmm. 2009 you are completely correct yes it Damn is it. Uh, the ah. PSP remake of um, Star Ocean second is it uh, second story I second think story was the original yeah yeah um, so it's the remake of that for the PSP so yeah that's uh, one to Steve haha um, mm. uh, Rich let's see if you can uh, get back to level pegging uh, your game is Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon Bloody Fire Emblem um, <laughs> oh god damn it I'm going to hate that series so much um, <gasps> I know I'm going to say 2009 sorry Dan you are correct awesome you are correct <laughs> it was um, <laughs> it was released in 2009 on the Nintendo DS sweet um, so that's one all so far Steve let's mm-hmm. see if you can stay in the lead uh, or if you can re- reclaim the lead even um, your game is Attack of the Saucer Man. <laughs> Attack of the Saucer Man? Yep, Attack of the Saucer Man. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2009. That seems like the kind of ironically stupid title somebody would mm-hmm. name something in 2009. Yeah, it, it, it might be. Um, but in this case, it wasn't. Oh, damn it. Uh, that was released 1999 on the PS1. Oh. Uh, which means <laughs> which means that somebody sincerely titled a game Attack of the Saucer Man. They did. Yeah. It does have an exclamation mark after the Saucer Man, so yeah. I don't know if it was okay. kind of ironic-ish. Um, Rich, your turn next. Um, and your next game, uh, if you get this, you'll be brought into the lead. Um, it is King of Fighters R2. Oh, um, I'm going to say 99, 1999. You're going to say 1999? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> 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 um, I'll put you out of misery. It is right. It's uh, really? 1999 well on done. the Neo Geo Pocket. Wicked. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. I was trying to I was trying to fool you there because um, the first one was Crystal Defenders R2, which released in 2009. And I thought that by giving you King of Fighters oh. R2, I might trick you. What's the R um, stand for? Jeez. I don't know. I don't even know. Um, right, so that's two to Rich, one to Steve. Mm. Steve, you can pull into level pegging if you get this one right and take us into the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Steve, your last one is Tiny Tank Up Your Arsenal. Tiny Tank Up Your Arsenal. Um, 2009. Nope. No. Oh, 1999 on the PS1. <laughs> wow. Oh, Steve. That was a dramatic uh, win for me. <laughs> dramatic win for Rich there. Rich has won, which actually brings him into the lead overall for the series so far. <laughs> well done, Rich. Well <laughs> done. Two one to Rich. I might not play games, but I know a lot about them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Rich. Um. Should we do the tiebreaker just for fun? Yeah, sure. why not? Um, so tiebreaker was Marble Saga Kurorinpa. Kurorinpa. 
That's I think that's ninety nine. Steve, what would you say? Uh, I'm also going to say ninety nine. Was it the PS one? I think. I will also uh, say Marble. PS one. I think. Mm. Right. Um, Marble Saga. Uh, Marble Saga. Rimper was two thousand and nine. <laughs> <on the week. laughs> My dad. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good job we didn't get down to I the was, tiebreaker. I was just following what Rich said. I had no idea. Exactly. Uh, fair enough. Um, Always follow a so, winner. Yeah. Well, that was good. Thank you very much for that. And well done, Rich. Let's see if you can maintain your lead uh, next time. Um, so the last couple of podcasts we've had, Rich's um, lovely internet um, kind of ramblings from his book. Um, we've decided to give it a little bit of a break. Um, and so Rich's section at the moment is under construction. Um, and um, I don't know if you want to have a, a couple of words, Rich, before we move along. Um <laughs> How about I'm, anything? I'm, anything you like. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's fine. So yes, Rich will be back with another section yep. in a future podcast. Coming but soon. Um, yeah, uh, kind of putting the uh, the Dreamcast Internet book to rest for the time being. So R.I.P. Dreamcast Aww. Internet book. I'm sure it'll make a comeback at some point in the future. I'm sure though. Yeah. Um, right. Well, thank you both very much. Thank I you. That's a good point to leave thank it you. at. Um, I've had a good time. I oh, think um, we can. Don't forget. Oh, oh. Don't forget to bleep out yourself saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now I have to remember to bleep out you saying <laughs> as well, Steve. So thank Thanks. you very much. You're for very that. welcome. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a proper dilemma now as to whether to keep that in or actually bleep it out. We'll find out. You'll find out when you listen. Um, so yes, um, 1999 was a huge year and that's why we have taken up so much time. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have indeed listened to the whole thing and not just skipped to the end. Um, and next time, join us for the year 2000. Um, before that, of course, we'll have Game of the Year edition for 1999 when Steve will join us again. Um, and we will compete to see whose game is the game of 1999. And um, we will, of course, be back as well with another deep dive at some point in the future, hopefully the near future. Um, so that's all from us I've been at Oddman84 um, Rich, who have you been? I've been at Dreamcast Barber And Steve? I have been at Steve Jack And it's worth pointing out That you can find all of us at The Switch Island as Steve has now joined too That's right, uh, very welcome, exciting Steve. Thank you Yeah, welcome, very Steve. exciting um so yeah that's brilliant so at uh, the switch island um do take a look we've got some awesome content up there at the moment um and of course you can find the dreamcast years at, at dreamcast years um and i think that's about it um so thanks very much for listening and until next time bye 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 bye